Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>
Absolutely. So it's a better movie, that's for sure. Oof. Now, I have not watched this movie, you know, sitting down start to finish in many, many years. And I have never watched this movie. That is crazy to me. You know, you want to know something even crazier? You know who used to watch this movie all the time? Oh, that would be my wife. <laughs> and uh, a fact you shared last night. And why, Casey, would Danny be such a fan of a movie with so many guns? Uh, I believe it would be one Mr. Sickly Val Kilmer, to which when he entered the movie, I turned to Danny and went, that, that's what brought you back every time? <laughs> to which she replied, we just wanted to heal him. <laughs> like, Jesus. Oh How great God. is, okay, all right, well, I'm not going to talk about that yet. Oh, yeah, uh, let's, let, let's save our love for Val Kilmer until we get to it, because fuck me, he's yeah. so good in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so, let's see. Well, uh, well, you know, the tagline that you said at the beginning, I mean, since we are... Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. What are we drinking, Huckleberry? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, hey, I picked a beer this time. You did, and not from our usual haunt. No, sorry, Chris and Joel. Do we want to start with what you so proudly picked? Yeah. <laughs> Do we want to share that story, or do you want to leave that to just No, that's totally fine. Listen, I went juggling a lot of stuff lately. Uh Usually, I'm bringing you the beer the day of the movie, or sometimes (laughs) the day before. If I'm I'm really ahead, you you know, it's the day before. But uh, it was like Monday or Tuesday of this week. I had a chance to run out in the middle of the day. I I was going over by uh, Branching Out Bottle Shop in Township 5 in the greater Syracuse, New York area here. And I was like, oh, you know what? Let me pop in. I'll grab the beer now. That'll be out of the way. It'll be one less thing I got to worry about. I got the beer. I'm headed to your house. I text you, hey, dropping beer off in a minute. And I wrote back, dude, I already got the beer. (laughs) You totally did. So I had a, well, we, because you ended up getting one of them, uh, had a delicious beer to watch the movie by. And, uh, you know, where I got the the beer from originally i was gonna get a blueberry lager that they had there i'm like oh blueberry huckleberry no one's making i mean there's no such thing as a huckleberry um <laughs> but you know berry was what we went for so what you shared with me last night was a loganberry beer which was delightful yeah from resurgence brewing company out in buffalo their loganberry wit so it's a belgian wit loganberry oh it was very good um but so my family and I went on vacation. Nice. Uh, we went to a uh, Verbo, which is like a, a new Airbnb type place. Vacation rental by owner. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah, we used them. For. Yeah, they're great. They're great. They're great. They're great. Small hiccup. I mean, everything was great. We got there. We walked in. We're like, okay. I mean, this is clean. And then I'm walking into the back, and on the um, dryer, there's some wet towels, and I'm like. I shouldn't be there. I walk back into the front, <laughs> and there's a tip. And I went, oh, God, no one's cleaned this place. Oh, oh no. So we messaged a guy. He's very apologetic. He's like, oh, no, they went to the wrong place. It'll take him an hour to get there, an hour to clean. If you can, you know, why don't you come up to my brewery, which I went, I'm sorry, you have a brewery. Tell Go me on. more. <laughs> um, but we decided we're not going to drive, uh, like, 40 minutes back up there. We'll hit it on the way back. Sure. Because we had to drive through that town. Uh, it's located in Canandaigua. It's the one we went to. It is Twisted Rail Brewing Company. Went in there. I asked for a couple of what they call the big boy. 
These are freshly canned craft beers right there. Uh, the Big Boy is the popular name for the American Locomotive Company's 4000 Class 4884 articulated coal-fueled steam locomotive manufactured between 1941 and 1944 and operated by Union Pacific Railroad until 1959. These locomotives were some of the largest ever built. The Big Boy Fresh Craft Beer Can, the biggest can available, keeps that tradition alive. Filled fresh on demand with your choice of Twisted Rails Craft Beer, we sincerely hope you enjoy The Big Boy. And it is a 32-ounce crowler. These are not for the faint of heart. (laughs) Especially since what we're drinking is Hell on Wheels which is their floral, piney, and hoppy double IPA. Uh, (laughs) ABV on this motherfucker is 7.4. So thank goodness we're still recording remotely. (laughs) That's right. Because I don't want to drive home after this. Uh, IBU's uh, 87. That's That's pretty bitter. Yeah, That's pretty bitter. Um, And, of course, we are doing Hell on Wheels because of the up there with I'll Be Your Huckleberry, uh, Kurt Russell losing his goddamn mind in this movie. Yeah, he does. Tell him I'm coming and I'm bringing hell with me. That's right. And, of course, this is a can, so you open it and you're in for the 32-ounce ride. So let's uh, start this process. (laughs) Let's do it. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Is it something about the way I open cans? It always... It, it spits at you? Yeah, it's so angry. Got all over my hand. Yep, I made a mess here. I'll be right back. Okay. Oh, oh I almost just dumped the whole thing. Oh, my God. Oh, don't do that. I, I totally almost just <laughs> dumped 16 oh, ounces. Of, oh, 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 my God. Everyone heard. Oh, good Lord. Okay. So, um, so if you're in the Canandaigua, Macedon, Geneva, or Honeon area, these are all the places where you can find Twisted Rail Brewing beers. Uh, you can go to their website, which is very easy, twistedrailbrewing.com. And tell them the boys of the Superpod HeroCast sent you. That's right. Cheers, buddy. Okay. They're lying on the IBUs. That's not, that's very smooth. That, which is, yeah, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that is really smooth. That's going to be dangerous. Hmm. Oh, a little bit, a little bit at the end, a little bit yeah. at the end. No, oh, that's good. That's very tasty. A strong recommend for me on this one. Yeah. That is a lot less bitter than I expected it was going to be. Yeah, when you hear 87, you're thinking like a like a stout or something. It's almost like a an amber ale. It, it, it's that, like I'm not getting a lot of bitterness at all. Maybe it's all settled at the bottom of the can. <laughs> we're going to get to the end and we're going to be finishing up the episode. And we're like, oh my God. <laughs> No, right. I hope not. No, this is this is very good. I went onto their website to look first. And yeah. just be warned if you look there. The list of beers they have is for their Geneva tasting room, and it's also from November of 2020. So, because <laughs> I went in there for the Blackberry Lager, and she was like, I haven't had that in a couple months. I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe someone should update it. 
This is a good one, though. This is a good choice. Well done. Very good. Yeah. Uh, No reshoots and reactions because we're in Patreon land. Mm -hmm. Um, What is the IMDb score for this movie? Uh, You know, I'll be honest with you. It's lower than I would have expected because this is a beloved movie. Um, Mm -hmm. In fact, I think this was Chuck's pick, right, for Best Western. Yes. The IMDb score for this movie is a 7.8. Wow. That yeah. is that is okay. Um, okay. Now, well, in, I wonder what in the way that Hollywood is tends to do. They'll put out a movie like The Abyss, and then Leviathan is right next to it. You get um, Dante's Inferno, Dante's Volcano, Infer- Dante's Peak and Inferno, or Dante's Inferno, Dante's Inferno, Dante's no. Peak. Oh yes, Dante's Peak and Inferno. Inferno oh no, Volcano. Right? Wait, are there three of Volcano. those? Oh my god! Uh, Twi- Twister so, and there's a there's a, another one of those. One of them's always better, right? Like the Abyss is a masterpiece. Leviathan, you can uh, miss. Oh, it, oh, right? Deep Impact and uh, Armageddon. Armageddon, you know, sure. Ar- now Armageddon's a ridiculous movie, but it's a better movie. It's a more fun movie to watch than Deep Impact. And I think that's the same thing with this between Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Yeah. Well, also they're different parts of his life, right? Wyatt Earp is no, it's. But doesn't it start earlier? Oh, yeah. It, it does start earlier, yeah. But, of course, you can't do a Wyatt Earp story without the OK Corral and the, the Cowboys. The okay yeah, Corral, right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Wyatt Earp has a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb. This with a 7.8. Uh, but same uh, one year later. So 93 for Tombstone, 94 for Wyatt Earp. But uh, I imagine probably being filmed around the same time. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Around the same time. So this movie comes out in 1993. Uh, it's written by a man with a lot of credits you'd be familiar with. His name's Kevin Jar or Jare. Uh, he wrote Rambo: mm-hmm. First Blood Part Two. He wrote Glory. He wrote Navy Seals, where he worked with Michael Bean. He and Bill Paxton. Oh yeah, and Bill Paxton. That's right. Uh, he wrote The Jackal, which was a reboot starring Richard Gere and Bruce of Willis. Day of the Jackal. Of Day of the Jackal. Yeah. Also wrote The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Oh. It's directed by a man, George Cosmatos, well, who I think was a British. Is it? Or is it directed by Kurt Russell and George was just there to make sure everything went smoothly, which is what both Kurt Russell and George have admitted to. <laughs> have admitted, yeah. I'm sorry. He wasn't British. He was a Greco-Italian film director and sc- screenwriter. He directed gotcha. Rambo First Blood Part Two, as well as Cobra. Okay. <laughs> Stallone uh, and Leviathan. The oh boy, oh yeah, oh, man, I've never seen Leviathan. It's not. Uh, I mean, if you're bored, it's on HBO know. Max, and I watched the trailer. And some of the trailers on HBO Max are just scenes from the movie. And that scene, I was like, I'm good. I'll go yeah. watch the Abyss again. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's the thing. He loses with Leviathan with this underwater sea monster competition, but he clearly wins in terms of the story of Wyatt Earp in a Western. Because this movie is a great movie. Yes, this movie is a great movie, but I can't tell you if it's better than Wyatt Earp because I've also never seen Wyatt Earp. I'm not a fan of Wy- of the movie Wyatt Earp, so uh, if we're going to watch a story about Wyatt Earp, this is the one to watch. Sure. Do you have any almost cast? Sure fucking do. <laughs> the look, uh, once again, wish this was a video format because the look you just gave me, I'm like, well, this will be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As we talked about, the interview where it was admitted that Kurt Russell, after the original director, Kevin Yar, 
was fired. Uh, he directed a more uh, majority of the picture. According to Russell, George was merely served to make things run smoothly. And also in a True West interview, Kurt Russell states that the film was nearly cast with Richard Gere <laughs> as Wyatt Earp. Yep. No. Yeah. And as Doc Holliday, Willem Dafoe. Interesting. Okay. However, I, listen, I would have watched that. Fuck yeah. I mean, give me both. Like, make the exact same movie, but put Defoe in and I'll watch both. I mean, don't get rid of Val Kilmer's performance, but make two different. Uh, never mind. <laughs> you know what I'm thing. trying to say. I, oh, I didn't, re- I didn't even realize that Kevin Yari was the original director, but I see that. Mm-hmm. I see that now. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, and Willem Dafoe, the only reason he was not cast is because Buena Vista, who owns Hollywood Pictures, owned by Disney, uh, they uh, they didn't want to put him in it because he had done a couple years before that little movie, The Last Temptation of Christ. Ooh, so interesting. That kind of gave him a bad rap in Hollywood for, for quite some time, sadly, which is so sad because he's really good in the last temptation of christ like uh i'll admit i've never seen oh, it but that's just because i haven't seen it it's see it for defoe see it for defoe he's okay. he's wonderful in it uh george Kamatos, cosmato whatever however yeah. you say his last name claimed while we're just talking about the directors uh claimed yeah. that stephen lang who I didn't realize was Stephen Lang until the railroad scene. I went, yep. oh, fuck, it's Stephen Lang. Th- there is a shit ton of people. Oh, we're going to talk about every single one of them. Yeah. Um, was drunk for most of the filming. So really, get, really getting into his character. Wow. Uh, Robert Mitchum was originally signed on to star as Old Man Clayton. Clanton, prior to principal photography, he fell off his horse and injured his back. <gasps> Forcing oh, no. him to quit the part. Instead, Mitchum provides a narration at the beginning of the film, the beginning and the end of the film. Yep. And uh, longtime veteran Western actor Glenn Ford was yep. originally signed to play Marshall White. Again, way too old to play. Marshall White was 31 when he was killed. Um, <laughs> I did some history diving today. Oh, okay. Um, however, poor health forced him to withdraw, and that's when it went to Harry Carey Jr. Hi, now, Ken, we all know that the moon is not made of green cheese. Yes, that's true, Harry. But, but what if it were made of barbecue spare ribs? Would you eat it then? What? And lastly, just two fun things that connect the movie to other things. Michael Bean and Bill Paxton have appeared in five different movies together. No. Okay, wait. Okay. Uh, okay, so Alien. Sure. Tombstone. Yep. Navy Seals. Mm-hmm. Was Bill Paxton in K2? No. No. Okay. Oh, the Terminator. Nah, fuck yeah, they are. <laughs> and, I mean, if you blink, you miss Bill Paxton, but he's there. I don't know. He gets pretty brutally well, murdered I mean, by the I Terminator. Mean, yeah, I mean, for a minute, he's there. Uh, what? Hmm. I don't, I've never heard of this movie, okay. so you might not know it. 1983, Lords of Discipline. Oh, yes. Uh, we've talked about it because, hmm, we, we've, We've actually talked about it on the podcast. Um, I wonder for I don't, for whom. I don't believe you. Yeah, the Lords of Discipline, uh, which again is like, oh, um, when we talked about David Keith, he stars in it because we talked about David Keith in 
maybe something. Maybe when we were, I think I was telling I was telling the officer and a gentleman story of how it didn't age oh, well. Yeah, and of course he's in there. <laughs> well, yes. But Lords of Discipline is uh, again, Mike Hollywood loves this. Taps, great movie. Lords of Discipline, I don't think as good of a movie if I'm remembering correctly. I've seen Taps. I've never seen Lords of Discipline. Um, and lastly, hey, do you know that there's a Batman connection going on here? To Tombstone? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, Batman. Val Kilmer. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But uh, Mr. Adam West played Doc Holliday three separate times in the late 50s, early 60s. Three television shows. The Lawmen, yep. Sugarfoot, and Colt 45. And Joel Schumacher, after seeing this performance of Val Kilmer, wanted him as Batman. To which I go, this performance? <laughs> well, but Tortured soul, I, I, I get it. So, you're an actor, Casey. Sometimes. Yeah, sure. No, you are. Wyatt Earp or Doc Holliday, which role would you rather play? Uh, I'm going to say, I'll be a Huckleberry. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a... It's fucking Chopin. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay. You got any more? That's that's I got one more, but it's for when we're talking about. We're I, talking, okay. This movie has become a cult classic since it came out. Sure, and for good reason. It's a wonderful movie. Uh, in 2018, there's a book, The Making of Tombstone, that comes out. That if you really want to go deep into the lore, I think that's where you're going. Okay. Um, and then finally, the money. So, mm. movie comes out in 1993. It has a budget of 25 million dollars. Wow. The box. Yeah, and at the box office makes fifty six point five million dollars. Okay, so, so doubles its take. It's a success. It's a success. Yeah, twenty five million with all those sets and costumes. Wow, shit yeah. ton of that money probably went to, to those set, those costumes were like when the when the Earp brothers first are walking through Tombstone. I'm like, God yeah. damn it, why don't we dress like this? Thing? <laughs> yeah, I would I mean, wear the shit out of any of that. Of the twenty five million, how what was the mustache wax? budget on this movie it's got to be high well do you know that nobody's wearing a prosthetic mustache in this movie it is everybody's honest to god facial hair no one has fake facial hair and think back to how bad the fake beards looked in so many of the actors in texas rangers oh god Did why I why why feel- stop bringing up <laughs> okay all right I'll so stop. um Put Alfred Molina in uh, Powers Booth part and Powers Booth in Ma- Alfred Molina, and we're still going to get the same enjoyable performances. Yeah, that's I true. Mean, that's 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 one hundred percent true. Is, are they trying to pass Powers Booth off as slightly Spaniard in this movie? Because I'm not cool with that. He's very dark in this movie. I don't think so. But there is there is an actor who is I don't know what the term would be br- brownwashed. The Mexican that's helping them. The Mexican who's part of the Cowboys. Yeah. He is not a Mexican. No, and in fact, I'm I'm on a rewatch of NYPD Blue because that's my happy place. I, hey, I'm on a rewatch of Mad About You, so you do whatever yeah. the fuck you want, man. <laughs> Florentino is the character. He's one of the cowboys. Uh-huh. He's played by the an actor who I'm going to assume is not Hispanic. His name is Paul Ben Victor. 
So born in Brooklyn. But with that name, I'm going to assume that he's Jewish. And oh, Hollywood, please stop doing this. Heavy brown makeup and accent. The first scene, the very first scene, I was like, oh, he's just putting on an accent because you don't see him that much. That sure. second time. When he peeks around the corner. I went, <laughs> oh, my God, that's a white dude. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. It was a different time. It was oh. a different time. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, it's the reason I haven't shown the bean short circuit because of the brown face and that. It's got it. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. You know, he's been on our podcast, not oh. him personally, but yeah. one of his movies, Paul Ben Victor, is uh, Jose Quesada in the Ben Affleck Daredevil. The guy that Daredevil yes. hunts down. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Uh-huh. Okay. That's All definitely right. a white dude. 100% not Mexican. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Um, Gross. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Anything else we want to talk about before we get into the movie? No. I think we can roll the film. Stagecoach? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, we open in 1875. And I'm going to bring it up now. Much like... Texas Rangers, we have a mixture of real footage and footage that has been doctored to be, because at first I'm like, oh, it's just footage from the time. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait, that's Val Kilmer and Kurt Russell. Yeah, oh, cool. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is the only tam- time-traveling immortal in Hollywood. Kurt uh, Russell's not. I, I believe Mr. Paul Rudd would like to have a word with you. The man is aging backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you said 1875. I thought it was 1879. You shut your goddamn mouth. All right, I will. One of us is right. One of us will get buzzered, and the other okay. one will get a ding. All right. How about that? <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah, so I I love, and in addition to Robert Mitchum, there are a number of tried and true Western cowboy actors that pop up throughout the movie. I, but I, I love that. I love that we get Robert Mitchum because we intentionally stayed at the more modern end of the Western era because we wanted to avoid problems with women and indigenous people. Whoops. <laughs> so, but, but we, still, I, we have one of those in there. Well, we kind of have both in this. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I mean, Robert Mitchum, we, we certainly could have very easily, you know, hit a number of his, his movies. So he, again, first of what's going to be many actors that were prominent in the Western era. Sure. So we get all that. Then we have a wedding happening. And man, this scene cut just a little different. It's comedy. <laughs> yeah, okay. With them all being like, oh, we're in love. Like uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. When sure. Lancelot keeps running over the hill. It's the same <laughs> idea. Um, was there any significance to um, Powers Booth's character? I can't remember his name. Curly Bill Brocious. Curly Bill. Curly Bell's four aces boots uh, seemed very out of place. Yeah, if there is any significance either in history or maybe in, in an earlier draft of the story, it never comes up again. It almost seemed anachronistic, like that wouldn't have been the style at, at this time. It clearly would have had to have been a very specific choice by Curly Bill to wear that. Sure. You know, we see him play Pharaoh. We don't see him play poker Mm-mm. so yeah I, i'm not sure what the i'm not sure what the the cards were yeah because because there's a lot of stuff in this movie that is very um uh taken from actual accounts of the time yeah the fight at the okay corral there are lines that are directly quoted from witnesses of it they even rewrite some history and try and keep it to historically accurate with uh johnny ringo one of the things i noted in 
Robert Mitchum's voiceover, which does a really nice job of, I think, just kind of letting us step into the action. Mm -hmm. Unlike the Wyatt Earp film, we're not setting up anything about Wyatt Earp's history before he gets there. He's already retired from the law, going to try his hand silver mining. Doc Holiday is tuberculosis. And what most significantly is going to be important in this film, this gang of outlaws known by the red sashes they wear, called the Cowboys is the earliest example of organized crime in America. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, I missed that on earlier watches. And it really, I was like, oh, this is a criminal outfit. So the gang is there and they end up murdering the wedding party and everyone because the villagers had previously killed two cowboys. Did the groom have a part in that? Is that why they specifically went after them? Or that's like the entire village is at this wedding. We're just going to kill everybody. You know, we don't get any of that on screen, but uh, all of the members of like basically the buddies of the groom in attendance are all wearing essentially like matching outfits. So to me, that seems like, is that another, another outfit or, or gang? Like, like an organ, yeah, a gang a warfare kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. At first, I'm like, oh, okay, they're just going to kill the family and leave the bride and groom to be sad. Then they kill the groom. Yep. Then in the background, they kill the bride. And then Johnny Ringo fucking kills the priest. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. We get a little hint of it here. We'll see more of it later. But, you know, Johnny Ringo, the educated, amoral assassin, shades of Julius from Pulp Fiction, right? And he's also kind of the mirror of Doc Holliday. Oh, sure. Like, oh, yeah, 100%. He, he's educated. He he knows his place. He knows he's damned for a very different reason. That's right. And in fact, the priest is going to live until he says something to Johnny in Latin. Mm-hmm. Johnny kills the priest. Quotes Exodus. Never a good Bible yeah. chapter to <laughs> quote from. It's never going to end well for you. Behold, the pale horse. The man who sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. And, uh, yeah, blows him away. And at first, I really like that Powers Booth's character, uh, Curly Bill, toes the line of, I want to be organized crime to, I want to be a criminal. You know, there's, there's versions of organized crime where you don't really have to get your hands dirty doing violence. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Curly Bill wants to live. And so this first time when he, because he doesn't shoot anybody, I don't think. I might be wrong. He doesn't. Uh, in the in the opening? Yeah. Mm, I don't I think he. everybody opens fire. I could be wrong. But when Johnny Ringo shoots the priest, there's a hot second where Curly Bill is like, Oh, fuck, what just happened? And then he laughs. And I feel like that laugh is like, oh, I can't show that I'm scared. I'm the leader. I have to, you know? Yeah, yeah. The the pivotal moment is clearly presented here as an accident, right? I mean, not, mm-hmm. it, it's a singular scene. Just, and just for point of, uh, just so that we don't get dinged by somebody else. Uh, Exodus, I believe, is the, the Jews leaving Egypt. This is Book of Revelations. Oh, you're right. It is Revelations. Listen, then definitely don't quote from Revelations. Yeah, that's, yeah, don't, yeah, that's the that, yeah, that's the that's the one that I mean, it's epic and gangster as fuck. But yeah, yeah. if you hear that, things are about to go Listen, really bad for if you. Winston Zedmore doesn't want uh, Book of Revelations happening. <laughs> so now we cut to a train stop. Uh, we get the introduction of the mustachioed, oh my God, that mustache, um, Kurt Russell. You know, Kurt Russell can wear that jaw. He swings that around like a fucking master clasp. As a man who had a similar mustache, <laughs> no, doesn't even, didn't even come close to that. Yeah. Mine was more like Bill Paxton's. <laughs> so 
Kurt Russell, you know, is a strong jawed man pronounced oh, yeah, yeah. by the, you know, framed with the mustache here. His poor son, Wyatt Russell, boy, he puts that helmet on and what a goober does he look like? Oh, and also Wyatt obviously is named for this yeah, movie. For yeah, this he, movie, right? Yeah. And also while we're on that, stop sending Wyatt Russell death threats. I know, he's right? The just guy's an actor. Playing, if you want to see him as a more likable character, Ingrid goes west. You get you get your uh John Walker, you get your um Scarlet Witch, and you get uh April from um Parks and Rec. Ingrid, you mentioned that. I still I That's have not movie. seen that. Yeah. It's really good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but my hair hero, as we've discussed many times, and I, and I'm a Kurt Russell fan, start to finish. The, the sure. hair hero is mainly a joke, but oh my god, he's so good. Now, how mad were you that most of the movie he's wearing a hat and when he takes it off, like there seemed to be a point in the movie where they're like, hey, we forgot that Kurt Russell has really fucking good hair. Take that hat off of Look, him and let that those manes flow. Kurt Russell is a motherfucking movie star. He can wear whatever he wants. Like he knows how to wear it, right? Like, yeah. The guy's taking Wyatt's horse off, and uh, you know, uh, Wyatt hands him a Hertz donut. What's a Hertz donut? <laughs> Hertz donut. Now let go of that stud. Going about your business. I feel bad for that extra. I'm gonna say, guy has. Well, he has dialogue, but that could be ADR by anyone. You yeah. never see that man's face. Yeah. He's backing the horse up and hitting it. <laughs> Kurt Russell walks up, hits him twice with it, and he walks away, away from the camera. He doesn't do the, okay, I'll leave. I <laughs> get that one shot of his face in. He, man, I felt really bad for that guy. Do you think he brought all of his family and friends to wherever the movie, it was playing near his house? He's like, look, I'm in the scene. And then they're like, that, no, that's me. <laughs> they could have been anyone. anyone. Yeah. We've met Wyatt. We meet in very short order his two brothers, Virgil, played by another one of my all-time favorites, Sam Elliott. Well, I'd know that sour face anywhere. And Morgan, played by the very capable Bill Paxton. You know, I miss Bill Paxton. We, yeah. I think we, yeah. we underestimated how good of an actor he was. Like, watching stuff post-mortem. I I'm agree. Like, like, in this movie, I'm like, ah, you take this, you take Aliens, and then you take True Lies. Yep. And right there, he should have been, like, this beloved, amazing actor. And uh, Weird Science. <laughs> sure, I <mean>, Chet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. There we go. That's a... That's a Hall of Fame collection right there. So we meet all three of them, and uh, my note here is, this movie should have been titled Mustache. <laughs> Everybody has a mustache. Do you think it was they all got wind that Sam Elliott was going to be in this movie, and they were like, oh, God, we have to all have really nice mustaches. Sam Elliott has the mustache. Yeah. Like, it's Sam Elliott, Burt Reynolds. Sure. Kurt Russell holds his own. I mean, Fuck yeah, he, he, uh, but you're right. Sam Elliott is the mustache. Yeah. Do you think uh, uh, Bill Paxton was like, can I get a little more like fun in my mustache? My mustache is, I mean. Need a little uh, stylist attention. And that's the problem. Like his mustache is perfectly yeah. fine. Now listen. And he looks good in it. But when you're standing next to Kurt Russell and fucking <laughs> Sam Elliott, you're like. <laughs> that's right. doesn't matter what you're bringing to the game. doesn't matter. <laughs> looks like peach fuzz. Yeah. And listen, we're going to have so much fun when we do. Roadhouse on this podcast, and we get to talk about, <laughs> oh, what? I'm number one? Is that what you're telling me? I'm number one. <laughs> you sure are, buddy. <laughs> number one asshole. We're never doing uh, Roadhouse. such a good movie. All right. Well, we could start a Sam Elliott podcast where we go through his entire filmography, yeah. and we're skipping fucking God Roadhouse. All right. Now, <laughs> we should point out, we meet not only the Earp brothers, but their wives, 
Wyatt's wife is named Maddie, and she's addicted to laudanum, which, which is, is a opium. Opiate. Yep. Yeah. Uh, did you get either of the other brothers, Virgil or Morgan's wives' names? Nope. And that's a problem. We should <laughs> know everyone's name. Yeah. I mean, the story's not about them. Well, especially since Virgil's uh, wife, did you recognize her? Yes. She's uh, from fucking from, Deadwood. <laughs> from Deadwood. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? It's just like um, uh, Carrie Washington in Fantastic Four. I don't think they knew the caliber of actor they had yeah. there with them. Like, yeah, she kind to the point where all three of those, si- the, I was just about to say it, all three of those wives, I'm like, are they all sisters? Is this sisters that married a group of sisters that yeah. married a group of brothers? Yeah, they're all good. So Paula Malcolmson is um, the woman from Deadwood. She's also on Ray Donovan. Oh, you're not watching Ray Donovan. You didn't watch I did Ray not. Donovan. She was also on Lost for a hot second. Oh, was she? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Collins is the other sister. She only has 11 actor credits, so I'd be surprised if... But didn't you think they looked similar enough that I, oh, yeah, the lo- it yeah. felt like they were sisters? Yeah, and Maddie, who is Wyatt's wife, uh, is played by Dana Wheeler Nicholson. Who are they? It, are they married? Because later, her name's Erp. Oh, it is Erp. You're right. Um, she, I think she's probably, in my opinion, she's best known as Gail Stanwyck from Fletch. Oh yeah. Oh that. Oh wow. Wow, that's different. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, but. You're right. They 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 could be sisters, one hundred percent. So, uh, yeah that that laudanum addiction is going to be a problem. Uh, <laughs> so uh, now we're in a saloon, and we get the amazing Doc Holliday, Val Kilmer, um, and Kate, who has a lot of actor credits. She's a Russian actress, but yeah, she's great. Yeah, but, she's yeah. wonderful playing this really like seductress kind of like you know the the vamp seductress or even like lilith like the primal you know mm-hmm. evil temptress right did you recognize the car player that gets stabbed uh he's a he's a western he isn't he a like a western character actor no, no the one that gets stabbed the one that mouths off to doc Holliday. oh no who is that that's frank salone that's sylvester salone's little brother what Holy shit. (laughs) This starts the, wait a minute, he's in this movie? Oh, my God. You're totally right. That's totally him. Oh, my God. I I think he's his younger brother, right? Uh, His four years younger than Sylvester Stallone. Did you feel like when Doc Holliday stabbed him, it was unsure if he was killed? Oh, yeah. I don't think he's dead. Because the account of that, depending on who you talk to, is no Doc Holliday killed that guy too. Doc Holliday didn't kill that guy. I love it. I love that they left it ambiguous. Like it looks like he 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 sticks him in a spot that's not going to be good for him, and he's moving when he walks away. But he grabs it real quick. Like oh god, I'm going to die. Like yeah. I love the ambiguity of that moment, and at, I love it now that I know that. When I watched it, I was like, the fuck just happened. And then I did my research. I was like, oh, huh, that's interesting. Very cool. Very cool. Yep. You know, it's an era where if you're not shot in the head or yeah. in the chest, um, you know, or if you're not stabbed in a in a vital organ, you might survive. And he, I, I, I 100% read that scene as he survives. Um, can we spend a minute on the sheriff? This John Behan? Yeah, let's do that. He's a, first of all, fuck him. Fuck him so hard. Uh, second, <laughs> in movie, it maybe I don't understand the Old West, but... Did people just 
know the price of stuff because he offers Wyatt Earp the three cottages that he has and says, I'll even clean them for you for no charge. And he's like, oh, you got yourself a deal. I'm like, and how much is this? And then Wyatt goes into the uh, saloon, into the Oriental, and gets a cigar, never is told how much it is, and he hands the person the money, and it's the exact amount of money. What is this an old West thing? Did everyone just no? Know? I think it's I think it's it, it doesn't add anything to the scene. To Lazy screenwriting, haggle, or, yeah. Oh well, I think it's I think it's pointing out the stuff that's important, and I don't think that's important. Okay. So the Earps are not arriving; they're destitute, right? Like no, no, they, no, they're are they tapped out? Mm-mm. Mm. Sorry, that was a no, no. I'm agreeing oh, with you. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I think it's more like that's not a concern for them when they get here. Obviously, they're there to make their fortune, but they're, you know, they're not arriving they're not there with nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, hey, did you recognize the uh, the Pharaoh player here? Oh, what the the dealer? The guy that gets thrown out of the bar? Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's the dealer. Yeah, of Billy Bob Thornton. But a fat Billy Bob Thornton, right? Uh, this is right after he did Sling Blade. So he put on a bunch of weight for Sling Blade. Was Sling Blade that old? Yeah. Sling Blade, I mean, he's he's great, but he's a nobody at this point. Wow. Wow. Um, that's Yeah, I love Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> he's got the gun. And Kurt was like, you're not going to shoot that. I know it. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. And then he takes it and kicks him out. He shows him with a shotgun. Just leave that shotgun. He goes to hand it to him. No. Leave it. Thank you. <laughs> so I was thinking as we were watching, as I was watching this last night, what are the things that I think contribute to a great Western? So one of them, in my mind, is the richness of the dialogue. Sure. So that scene with uh, Wyatt staring down uh, Billy Bob's character, th- there's like four or five brilliant lines that Kurt that Kurt Russell first of all you know credit to Kurt Russell if i think if if he doubted or was unsure in the delivery at all they would have sounded ridiculous right because they're period it's period dialogue right mm-hmm. um skin that smoke wagon and see what happens yeah. um right you know draw that ho- uh, something that hog's leg but Kurt Russell just leans into it the dialogue is so rich it reminds me very much of like Deadwood, like sure. the yeah. the richness of the language there. Absolutely. Um, you you referenced earlier the the tell them I'm coming and hell's coming with me. Yeah. It's just it's just great dialogue. I think my my favorite. <laughs> you gonna do something or just stand there and bleed? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sheer like force of will, like sheer. You, you, you sheer don't want to open that door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not opening that door with him. No. So um, in one move, in one move, Wyatt has uh, booted the pain in the ass uh, Pharaoh dealer who basically came in and set up shop. And and we've learned before they go into the Oriental that this is basically the worst saloon in Tombstone. But also no the, one the nicest one. Like it looks the nicest on the inside. That's what the marshal says. He- sure, sure. Probably because no one's going in there. Like it's only the de- only the most desperate. It's a bloodbath. There, you know. Yeah. And of course, as, as we go in and we see how Bill, I'm trying, uh, Johnny Tyler, Johnny is, Tyler, yeah. His, as we see Johnny Tyler's demeanor, he's he's uh, obnoxious, overbearing, threatening. 
Tell, telling the guy, like, you you draw that card again, I'm going to shove your head up that boar's ass. And you're just like, you're the dealer. <laughs> like, I forgot um, for a second. I'm like, oh, wow, what an r- unruly customer. I'm like, oh, wait, he's the dealer. He's, he yeah, yeah. definitely don't talk to people like that. And before Wyatt goes over to the table there, he has this quick conversation with the bartender. He was barging in here one day, slapping all the customers, waving his gun around. He takes out all the high-class play. The only trade comes in, and now it's just the bummers and the drovers. Just the dregs. Wyatt goes in, solves the problem, kicks it out. And oh, what do you say, Milt? 25% of the house takes sound about right? The Earps have a 25% interest in a saloon. And then they don't have to do a thing. Yeah, so Wyatt deals Pharaoh uh-huh. much of the time. Right. Yep. So it's a quasi mafia scenario, right? Like I'm gonna take twenty five percent of your business. Okay, great. But he solves it's, his problem. Yeah, it's the protection. Yeah. You know, we'll see very shortly the Oriental goes from the saloon that no one goes into if you have any choice to go anywhere else to, you know, becoming like this really hop in place that is packed in many scenes after that. So yeah. clearly this is a good move. And Fair. as a result, the Earps are gonna be set up here. Um, so next thing I want to talk about is we're introduced to the actor and actress that come to the town, played by the wonderful douchebaggery that is Billy Zane. He's perfect for what he is, right? Uh, he's so good. He's a good actor. Like, you know what, honestly, what killed his career? Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. He's so good at that abusive piece of shit that it <laughs> ruined his career. Like yeah. uh, almost did uh, Danny Glover, Color Purple. Nobody wanted to hire him for like two years. No kidding. Because he's such a monster in that movie. Yikes. Yikes. Which, you oh, know, no. credit to both of them for being that good. But also, oh, sorry, guys. Um, and then also, hello, Dana Delaney. <laughs> she walked out of that carriage. I went, <gasps> Dana Delaney. <laughs> And, you know, it's one of those, like, we know there's going to be trouble, right? Like, just uh-huh. the, the camera lingers on her, right? Uh, She's going to be important. Yeah, she, and boy, is you, she important. You know, can we can we step back? I, uh, there's So, we gloss over a little bit, and I just want to lean in on this point. Sure. It's going to become increasingly important through the movie. I think one of the hallmarks of a really good Western are these strong characters. And I don't mean, like, physical strength, uh-huh. but, like, like, the strength of their like the force of will or their character, like persona, personality, their okay. sense of self. You know, we see it first with Wyatt as he stares down Johnny Tyler. They go out into the street. Johnny comes out, out with the shotgun. We see it again as Wyatt is calm there. Uh-huh. But then as Doc Holliday shows up, Doc exhibits that same, like, I'm not worried. You're not a threat. Even though literally Johnny Tyler has a shotgun in his hand pointed at them. All yep. he has to do is pull the trigger and yet he can't. So that kind of like power of self, mm-hmm. I think is intrinsic to these great Western characters. And I don't think we don't get anything like that in Texas Rangers. No, they're, God, they're, God damn it. Stop mentioning it. <laughs> that's again, here's another way. Like this is what a good Western is to expound on that. Wyatt Earp seems to know by looking in a man's eyes, what, what he's going to do. He never says it outright, but there's a couple of times where like, he's going to shoot you. No, he's not. And you see that he's, I think with Doc Holliday, it's, I have tuberculosis. I'm probably going to die. If you shoot me, it's going to be the better death for me. You know, it's going to be, oh, Doc Holliday die. You know, that's kind of what I feel his last line is all about. Yeah, I can see that. It's almost like, and I think a lot of ways, uh, who's the famous Japanese director, um, Seven Samurai? 
Kurosawa, yeah. like was a fan of westerns, right? Sure. Um, I, I think it's very much it's very much like the uh, Bushido code in samurai culture, right? Like yeah. you are beyond the fear of death. You do not fear death, and as a result, you uh, have almost transcended human uh, limitations. Yeah. We are we are in the theater show now, and uh, <laughs> don't you hate it, Casey? As an actor, don't you hate it when they're shooting at you? <laughs> at, you know, there was that one show. No, just, <laughs> thankfully, never happened. <laughs> but we are introduced to a bunch of the cowboys, including fucking Jason Priestley. Did not realize it was him until he leaves the gang later in the movie. I'm like, hang on, is that Jason Priestley? It's Jason Priestley with a mustache, right? With a mustache and a goatee. And I'm like, yeah. And then reading today that nobody wore fake stuff, I'm like, good for you, Jason. That's an impressive. Was he still on Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero at this point? Uh, I think so. So Let's he see. only had a couple months to grow that goatee. Hold on. Yeah. Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero started in 1990, ran for ten seasons. So yeah, this is this is right. It's smack. You know, the early, the first third of their, how, of their time. How, okay, good for, wow, you are a hairy man then, if you can grow that much. Yeah. And um, did you, do you also see that John Corbett was in there? Yeah, uh, yeah, everybody's in this. Yandu's in this. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! To which I'm like, is Yandu going to do anything? And then he finally, <laughs> like, again, I don't think they realize who they had with Michael Rooker. I'm like, he could have done... A shit more in the beginning of this movie. But it's one of those scenes, though, like, the only weak spot in this movie is the ending. <laughs> I mean, right. The right? ending like, the ending really hurts this movie. It, it does. It does. You take that last 10 minutes, 15 minutes off, it's, yeah. a, nine, it's a nine and a half, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's up there with, a you know, I'm going to mention The Simpsons again. Sorry. They do a Lord of the Flies parody episode. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. at the end of it, at the end of the 22 minutes, they're like, well, we can't keep going. And uh, it's James Earl Jones doing the voice of it. So the children learned to function as a society. And eventually, they were rescued by, oh, let's say, Mo. Credits. And then it's like, <laughs> we ran out of time to tell the story. We're just going to. Uh, and I feel like that's how this ending is. Like, fuck, this thing's two hours. We gotta. Yeah, we gotta wrap it up. And I don't know what to do, so we'll just they ride off into the sunset. That's right, Robert. Can you come back here for a second? That's right. <laughs> we have that's some right. more stuff for you to say. That's right. They're at this show, and so there's a a juggler who is not treated well. They're shooting at us. They're actually shooting at us. I did want to point out that. Uh, when Billy Bob Thornton gives up his shotgun, I call. Uh, oh, that's uh, Chekhov's shotgun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You introduce that shotgun, something will right. happen with That's that right. shotgun. And it, sure enough, it does. <laughs> sure does. Billy Zane comes out, saves the day by quoting from Henry V, uh, saying Christmas Day. We are marked to die. We are now to do our country lost. Question. Is Jason Priest's character supposed to be gay? So, yes. 100%. Because I'm going to call bullshit. Those guys would not have tolerated that. Uh, Yeah, you know... Because he doesn't seem to be contributing anything really big to the gay. He, if he's like the money, okay. I see. I think he's almost like a he's almost like a fanboy. Like he's he admires them. He looks up to them. Wow. They make uh-huh. fun of him. He's comic relief. But I think they allow him because he clearly 
idolizes them. And he takes a quite the shine to uh, Billy Zane. He sure does. So Mr. Fabian, Billy Zane, and mm-hmm. Josephine, Dana Delaney, arrive. They don't seem to be a romantic couple. I'm under the assumption that Billy Zane is also gay. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah. an it's such an interesting subtext. I, I don't know where it comes from. But did anything happen? That's my question because he holds his his yeah. spoiler for the end when Billy Zane is killed. He holds his hand. And that's what makes him leave. I'm like, was this just a love of this man, or like did they have a secret relationship? Love or and was it actual? Yeah. And since it's the 90s, we can't show two men doing anything because apparently that's icky. I don't know. My read on the movie is that his character is 100 gay, and I think I think okay. he okay. has a relationship with Fabian that they would have they would have okay. had to hide because it would have been dangerous for both. Sure. Of them. Okay. In walks. Um, Johnny Ringo. The wonderful Michael Bean. Oh. I, why, wh- what happened to Michael Bean? He got old and fat and showed up in The Mandalorian. Oh, my God. But he's still such a fucking good he actor. Is. He's still great in The Mandalorian. Yeah, he's... You know, he was a solid... I mean, and he was a, from a ton of movies from our childhood. Terminator, The Abyss, uh, The Rock. Navy more Seals. My childhood yeah. than Navy Seals. You know, I feel like... I, I wonder what happened to him after The Terminator. Because I feel like that would have been... That should have been the role that then propels him to superstardom. The next thing he does is Aliens. Aliens is only oh, like yeah. three Aliens, years later. Two years. Okay, yeah. So eighty. Oh, he was in Lords of Discipline as well. Oh, that's right. We yeah, said that. I remember. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> How much beer have you had? A little bit. So eighty four is Terminator. Eighty six is Aliens. Eighty six. Yeah. Fuck. Rampage. I don't remember that. Seventh Sign. Oh yeah. Seventh yeah. Sign. Oh yeah. With your is that with Jurgen Prock now? I remember the name of the movie. I don't remember yeah. anyone. The Abyss. It. Navy Seals. T two. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Deleted scene. K two K two the one the widowmaker yep oh no no the I, mountain the mountain yeah yeah that was oh maybe that was yeah there's another movie the widowmaker is that K two the widowmaker K two the widowmaker yeah with uh, <laughs> Harrison Ford doing the worst Russian accent of all yeah. time yeah uh, but you know I don't know why he doesn't I, I I love him as an actor I think he's great I don't know why he doesn't like I was so excited when he shows up in The Rock and I'm like oh Michael Biehn and then all of a sudden he spoiler but, alert dead like, yeah but again the scenes he's in he crushes right i mean he's going up against some pretty heavy hitters in this movie and is a couple times showing them up but it, at the very least going toe-to-toe with these actors yeah i just i wish i i don't know why he hasn't had a bigger career yeah i don't know i just i don't know so it, oh the other thing that happens is there's faust in the um in the theater show, and Curly Bill says to him, I'd take a deal and then crawfish and drill that old devil in the ass. <laughs> How about you? Let me do what you did. I already did it. Oh, fuck. Jesus. And, and, and Curly Bill's expression is like, right, I forgot you're a scary dude. Johnny Ringo is the cowboy that all of the other cowboys fear. Oh, yeah. Except maybe Curly Bill. But he's not the leader. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Curly Bill is clearly the leader of the cowboys. I think that's because Johnny doesn't want to be the leader. He has no interest in Johnny leading could him. be the leader oh, like 100%. That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Easy peasy. I think, yeah, you're right. I think, And I think it's Curly Bill knows that and keeps him as his heavy. Yep. How about the uh, in the saloon when it's like in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the, the chuck off, but this time it's the uh, uh, the gun twirling? What a gr- yeah, so. Which some of that stuff he does is really, and, really hard stuff. And, it's, and 
at least much of it, if not all of it, is him because we're they're careful to show us show his face in the shot as he's as we're seeing the gun. The two times, one for sure, I can't remember exactly, but the side spin, which is really hard to do. Yeah. And catch the gun. I'm not sure it's him, but definitely the the spin into, I don't believe it's Michael Bean because it's just showing the whole thing. No, no, you're right. You're right. But but part of that is ab, we're absolutely seeing oh, yeah. his face. And, and even like, I feel like you're seeing Michael Bean concentrating and not acting. Like, like the mm-hmm. look on his face, like, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> this is all a single. Like, how to do this That's right? right. Um, yeah. When, when I played, <laughs> when I played Curly in high school, yeah. uh, one of the lines of him in, in Oklahoma is that he's the best gunslinger in, in the Indian territory. So I'm like, well, I have to be really good at this. So I pra- I took the gun home. I practiced. I could do the the spin, flip yeah. it. I could flip it to hand to somebody, and I could also flip it, turn it, and then put it put it in the holster on the way back down. Nice, nice. Well, yeah. it's a great scene. So, so watching him, I'm like, oh fuck, he he did his homework. So, so you called it earlier, and it's clearly it's intended to be this way. So Johnny Ringo and uh, Doc Holliday are like mirror opposites, and you know. Alike in so many ways, opposite in so many ways. And as Johnny makes a play of uh, a show of the gunplay and manipulating his six shooter, we immediately see Doc taking him down, mocking him by doing the same thing with his little silver drinking cup. And what's so great is like, much like what we were just saying, everyone's quiet when it's done because like some people are tittering, but as it goes down, they're like, oh, this isn't playful anymore. He is chiding on Johnny Ringo and it is Curly Bill that breaks the tension and laughs and you see on Michael Bean's face he's like all right my boss is laughing I gotta be okay with this let's go like oh see I think Johnny is afraid of Doc because he doesn't pull a gun he doesn't pull a gun and I think he recognizes that Doc can beat him because at the end <laughs> spo- again spoiler but why are you listening to this if you haven't seen the movie at the end when Doc shows up instead of Wyatt, he, Johnny is not happy about that. And I think at that point, definitely Johnny knows he cannot win. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at this point, it's the walk away is, I got to be cool with this right now. I've just been told by this laugh to walk yeah. away. Before he walks away, they trade some Latin. And what they say to each other yeah. is, yes, yes. Doc Holliday says, Vino Veritas. Which is, in wine, there's truth. Johnny Ringo says, Ajikuragis. Do what you do. Doc Holliday says, Creda Judaea Sotella, non ego. Let Apella, the Jew, believe, not I. Then Johnny Ringo replies with, Eventus Stultorum Magister. Youth is a teacher of fools. Doc Holliday replies, Rest in peace. And the line, let Appella the Jew believe, not I, was confusing to viewers. Scholarly papers show that Romans used this phrase to show contempt for Judaism belief that divine power was involved in the everyday. So that's interesting. So I'm going to assume my headcanon, and actually, I'll be honest with you, the, watching this makes me want to go get that book, The Making of Tombstone. I would mm-hmm. bet money. So I did see you as, as I was doing the diff- the research. Kevin Yari, the writer, initial director, did dive deep into the history to develop this, which I think yeah. is how we get so rich. Um, that line makes sense. Doc's line, I'm your Huckleberry, is is, all, is the, the attribution I've seen is 
that's basically saying I'll be your opponent. Like you want to, you want an opponent? I'm your guy. I'll square off against you. I'll be whatever you need me to be. It, it's referencing Huckleberry Finn. Oh, that I saw a very different read on that. Because it's always who's going to challenge me, who's going to do. I'm, I'm your Huckleberry. So, so I saw a read on that that basically said LakePowellLife.com. I'm your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. No, that's something you, completely different. Did you? He says I'm your Huckleberry, like Huckleberry oh, Finn. Huckleberry. Okay. This line is suggesting that basically uh, in the Old West, being a Huckleberry meant you were game up for anything. It also meant that you were the one to bring trouble to your opponent. Right. I'm game like Huckleberry Finn, ready for adventure, ready for whatever. Oh, and and in that specific context, I'm ready for adventure against you. Right. Got it. Got it. it. Okay. Got it. So the interplay between these characters and it's all just acting right like there's great dialogue here a lot to work with on the mm-hmm. page but none of that on the page would work if you didn't have these performances we'll see it with Wyatt you know Kurt Russell throughout the whole thing every time Doc's on stage or on screen but especially when he's squaring off against Johnny it's yeah you know I'm just entranced like it's it's wonderful to watch it's crazy it's so good again Michael Bean should have more of a career because he is intimidating as fuck he, with without a word, he's got those eyes, right? Like and, you know, you look at like yeah. like Kyle Reese and uh, Hicks. It's not he's not that like he's he's a soldier. But then this uh, um, when he loses it in the abyss, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh God. In fact, he does both in the abyss. He starts out like, oh, he's he's Hicks. He's he's sure. Kyle Reese, and then like. Oh, he's a psychopath. He's looked into the abyss, and it has looked back. That's right. He's fucked that abyss. Uh, all right. So, so my question. Yeah. Game's over. We we find Curly Bill in a opium den. Oh, no. Oh. And he's yeah. shooting up at whatever. He's not actually hitting anybody. That's very important for where my question goes. Yeah. Did Curly Bill mean to shoot the marshal? I have no idea from the history. In this movie, him killing the marshal, 100% an accident. Okay. Yep. That's how it read to me because you almost see for a second Powers Booth is like, well, what the fuck just happened? He He's surprised and not a happy surprise. Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of the guy that would laugh at something malicious happening. He does no, not laugh. Yeah. He, it almost sobers him up almost mm-hmm. pretty quickly, right? Like, oh, shit, what just happened? So the actual history is in, in the movie, there's no trial because the judge says there are no witnesses. Yep. In real life. There was no trial because the marshal, before he died, said it was an accident. They let him and they let him go. No kidding. Yeah. Like his di- his dying expression. His dying words was to make sure this man didn't go to wow. jail. Wow. For it. So, unfortunately, the marshal is dead. Curly Bill is standing mm-hmm. there, really, I think, stunned by what's happened when all of a sudden Wyatt comes up behind him, clubs him over the back of the head with a pistol. With what? He he, isn't it Chekhov's? Isn't the shot? Isn't it the shotgun? No, I thought it was a pistol. No, I thought it was a pistol. I think that's the shotgun that the that that Doc will carry at the OK Corral shootout. Oh, you're right. That short shotgun. No, it looked like a looked like a pistol. But it's not his wider pistol. No, he He hasn't hasn't pulled pulled that out yet. So I I don't know if the bar has one and he grabbed the guns from the bar. Yeah. Oh, it's the old west. Everything had one. (laughs) 
Combat, exploration, and roleplay. These are known as the three pillars of play that make every game of Dungeons & Dragons exciting, tense, and rewarding. But we believe there's another pillar to the world's greatest role-playing game, and that fourth pillar is creation. Are you a dungeon master who has always wanted to create your own monsters, execute your own adventures, design your own challenges, spells, classes, and lineages? That is what we here at the fourth pillar of play, a Night Shift radio production, are doing. Learning game design by designing games. We are not professionals. We are enthusiastic amateurs, just like many of you. So join us as we review and discuss information by professional game designers and put theory into practice by creating new worlds, new monsters, and new opportunities for heroic players. I'm Josh. And I'm Talon. Join us at the fourth pillar of play, available wherever you download your podcasts or visit us at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. And we look forward to creating with you. Commander, where are we? We seem to be stuck in an alternate dimension. And you're no longer a captain, you're a commander. Commander. Dear God, are you a lieutenant? And why are you talking like that? Oh no, I don't I don't know why I'm talking like that. But no, I seem uh, to have no rank. Only the title of Doctor? I don't think there are admirals either. Captain, I mean Commander, I mean. Look, Casey, we are getting a message. It seems we have been tasked with reviewing a historical document entitled Galaxy Quest? Then there's no moment to spare. Engage! I, I, I don't think um, Night of Radio Legal has cleared usage of engage, so you might want to just oh. dial that back there. All right. Well, then, I guess it's up to us to say, join us over on the Where No Mom Has Gone Before podcast as we review 1999's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. Mom! Now, Curly Bill is knocked out. Wyatt has control of him, but almost immediately, the townspeople are starting to form a lynch mob, right? They, they, he, he just shot the marshal. The no witnesses is a, is a stretch. There was no one on the street, clearly, because he comes out and he's shooting, so everyone takes cover. But everyone saw it, because the second that Wyatt knocks him out, the street starts filling up with people. And Wyatt, to his yep. credit, wants justice done. Get a rope! Bring him up! Nobody's hanging anybody. He just killed a man! Gotta stand trial for it. Now get back! The cowboys show up. There's a bit of a standoff. Turn him loose! Stephen Lang, he's so wonderful in this movie. So he's playing Ike Clanton. To the point where I didn't know it was Stephen <laughs> Lang. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this character actor is really good. He's really good. I wonder if he's going to do anything. Yeah. It's the wonderful movie. And again, it's this... Like Bushido, this force of will. Mm-hmm. As Ike is backed up by a number of cowboys, you know, it's like three to one against Wyatt. Oh, yeah, they could have Wyatt doesn't care. Did, yeah. His his pistol is, you know, resting square in Ike's forehead. He's, your friends might get me in a rush, but not before I make your head into a canoe. You understand me? And I love the one guy's like, he's bluffing. Let's rush him. No. He ain't bluffing. Ike's looking at him and he says, No, I see it in his eyes. He'll he'll kill me dead. Very quickly, the advantage that the Cowboys have, three to one, quickly shifts as Doc shows up and then Virgil and Morgan show up. Uh <laughs> Doc shows up and squares off against Ike's brother and you Billy Clanton. Music lover. Played by Thomas Hayden Church. 
uh, how about uh, do you do you know that Billy, the other Billy, that's the part of the gang? Do you know that's played by the actual fifth cousin of Wyatt Earp? N- what? Glenn Wyatt Earp? No. Yes. You're kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm dead serious. I was like. They actually got a Wyatt Earp in this movie. That's fucking awesome. Billy Clanton kind of squares off against Doc and his... You're so drunk, you can't hit nothing. In fact, you're probably seeing double. And he pulls out a crocodile Dundee-sized knife mm-hmm. to which Doc calmly pulls his second revolver. I have two guns, one for each of you. <laughs> It's so good. And just like Ike, Billy's like, oh, shit, I'm I'm dead. So Mm -hmm. they back down. Curly Bill is in custody. The Earps and Doc Holliday control the street. Yep. Sam Elliott, that speech that they give is uh, very prudent to the present. Nobody's saying you can't own a gun. Nobody's even saying you can't carry a gun. All we're saying is you can't carry a gun in town. How does this guy look like simultaneously the toughest man ever born and clearly an accomplished and polished thespian? Because he's so I mean, good. Uh, a star is born. Like he listen, I started to watch that that stupid the ranch because he's in it. His stuff was fine. And also, you know, Sam Elliott's about 20 years older than Virgil was supposed to be. But who, who gives, gives a shit? A You've fuck. got Sam Elliott. Just let him do it. He's so yeah. good. Yeah. When, when he, you, you know, it's almost like, what's the joke in, what's the joke in Jumanji? Uh, the Rock's character has, his special ability is the smolder. Sam yeah. Elliott's special ability is stealing his resolve. It's when, like, he sets mm. himself... Like, you can see he sets himself, basically, Virgil cannot accept the fact that the the vulnerable people of this town are at the mercy of the of the outlaws. I walk around this town and look these people in the eye, it's just like someone slapping me in the face. These people are afraid to walk down the street, and I'm trying to make money off that like some goddamn vulture. If we're going to have a future in this town, it's got to have some law and order. Virgil is sitting there trying to make money off it. His moral code will not accept that. Yeah, it's like, uh, okay, we came to this town to just make money, but that's not an option anymore. Right, which is Wyatt's position. Birds, don't do this to me. It's got nothing to do with you, Wyatt. Wyatt has no intention of returning to his history as a lawman, right? Right. Now we see Virgil. He's wearing a silver star. He is the marshal, nailing a notice on a beam that guns are outlawed in town. People are not happy, but, but Virgil is is resolute. Man, I'm so glad we're past all this gun rights bullshit. I mean, <laughs> oh. Now, Wyatt Wyatt does the western equivalent of like like screeching in on the brakes, throwing the car in park and jumping out. He rides in on the horse, jumps off it and is furious at Virgil for taking the stand that essentially Wyatt had forbade him to do. Mm-hmm. And Virgil's like, you're not the boss of me. And so also, as, I'm the oldest brother, asshole. So as Wyatt <laughs> turns to Morgan, like, talk to him, will you? Or hit him. And Bill Paxton does that beautiful sheepish. Well, yeah, he does the like. Mm. And Wyatt's oh. like, oh, God, don't tell me. It's the slow reveal of it underneath his coat, but also him hanging his head because, you know, obviously Morgan is the youngest brother. And he's like, oh, I'm stuck between the middle and the oldest. Oh, fuck. I look up to both of them. Yeah. Uh, and they're on opposite sides. 
So we're back to the Oriental. It's at, it's nighttime. Wyatt enters as Josephine is singing. We've already had this flirtatious encounter on horseback that led to a little picnic. There's something there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How about uh, the stunt person for Dan Delaney riding side saddle? Down that hill. Jumping? I was nervous watching Now, that. I'm wondering if they had a prosthetic fake leg. I and, thought Because you thing. never saw the other side of the horse. I Boy. Because if it, not, if, I, that person better have gotten Hooper level of payment on that. If they did, good for them because the, I, I can't imagine how you could ride a horse like that. I can't imagine how you could like trot on a horse sitting side saddle, much less running. Much less downhill, much less jumping. And may I say, this is, again, just the ridiculousness of the patriarchy. You're a woman, so you have to ride it side saddle because it's not ladylike. But it's incredibly <laughs> fucking dangerous. Well, I mean, it's that, but it's more about, it's not, it's from practicality. The skirts won't go over a horse. Yes, and how, I, I mean, God forbid a woman wear a pair of pants. I mean, fuck. This well, is just... Okay, there you go. You know, so this is probably a good point to talk about another characteristic, I think, of a great Western in which, you know, the West is one yeah. of the characters. The panoramic shots, the the setting, you know, it really struck me. And I think we talked, we might have talked about it. Um, one of the things I love about The Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino, clearly a fan a student of the Western, you see the visuals in that, regardless of what you think about Quentin Tarantino, that is a visually beautiful movie. He uses the landscape. That is the movie I dislike sure. the least sure, of his movies. I, it's simply because up until a certain point in that movie, we've talked about it, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a Quentin Tarantino sure. movie. Then all of a sudden it 100% becomes a Quentin Tarantino movie. You know, I think of the term, the opening of the West, right, which is about our expansion there. But I also, if you think in terms of the opening, like, the space, just I want to see that represented the right way in a Western. And boy, this delivers. Yeah. We'll see it here. We see it here, it, but we'll see it later with all the chases, like, the landscape is a character, right? It's so beautiful. Yeah. So Doc is in bed. He's in bad shape. He's got tuberculosis. He's a lunger in the vernacular of the day. Another doctor's treating him, telling him that uh-huh. he estimates Doc has lost about 60% of his lung tissue. If he basically becomes a monk right now, he'll have a couple of years left. Um, but he's got to stop, including his... Now, what's the term? It's not carnal urges, but it's something along those lines. Basically... Nocturnal or nocturnal. Oh, urges. nocturnal. Oh, so maybe is it? I thought it was sex, but maybe it's the nightlife. It's, it's drinking, everything. smoking, drinking, every, sex. Yeah. Which for a hot second, I thought the what's the Russian Kate? Kate, I thought she was something dastardly because she walks in, she got the cigarette, she hands it to him. She was listening the whole time, tries to have sex with him right then, and like he's like, hey, let's go boozing. And I'm like, well, what the fuck you doing there, Kate? You know, Doc tries to resist, or or at least he acknowledges that he should resist. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she went down on him, except the covers are up to his chest and they don't move. And also she goes to the left. <laughs> yeah. So she goes back into the left. Yeah. Back and to the left. I'm sorry. That's JFK. Okay. <laughs> got it. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. There you go. Yeah. You were looking at me like, I'm like I, I knew, understand I knew, your bit right now. But I knew you were doing a bit. 
I just, I was like, I'll let it sit. Maybe I'll get it. I didn't get it, but that's on me. That's not you. That's what uh, Costner that's keeps right. saying. Back, back into the, the left. left. That's right. Back into the left. I love that movie, actually. That's, I'm surprised mm-hmm. I missed that. Yeah, you're right. And again, that's why she is this, like, temptress, right? She, almost like she needs Doc to be this superhuman man. This is the point where uh, I'm like, why is this movie rated R? Nothing really bad has happened. We've had one F-bomb. Frederick fucking Chopin. Fine. Then we end up at the OK Corral. And holy shit, it suddenly is a Sam Peckinpah movie. And this scene is masterclass. This is a perfect scene. Not only is it masterclass, I love that it is not the climax. It is the most famous. It's the thing that we know why it are for. The gunfight at the OK Corral. And they're like, yeah, but a bunch of shit happened afterwards. And we're going to tell you that, too. Because it's not just about this one fight. It's about what happens afterwards. Sure, sure. Now, full disclosure, earlier when I said the climax of the movie, right? Like, I was very much talking about this. This, for me, is the climax of the movie. But you're right. But it's halfway through. It's a two-hour and five-minute movie, and this is, like, right around the one-hour mark. And I'm like, there's an hour left? What the fuck is going to happen? Because I thought this is what we were leading to. To the point where where this started, I'm like, oh, this is the precursor. And then I'm like... And then after they're done fighting, you see when they walk out, it says, okay, corral. And I'm like, oh, this is, wait, what? <laughs> what? What's next? Yeah. I'll gush over this scene. Start to finish. So what happens is, and I think this is largely true to life. Now, historically, I think Wyatt Earp is an unreliable narrator. Sure. A lot of the history we have around Wyatt Earp was, you know, Wyatt Earp is an old man telling this young, up-and-coming Hollywood director, Sam Ford. Right guy who'd make some westerns right about him so i think wyatt helped shape his own mythology and narrative so let's let's acknowledge that sure. in the movie what we're getting in the movie the word has reached the erps that six of the cowboys well actually we see six of them ride into town mm-hmm. wyatt recognizes the troubles brewing he finally acknowledges he didn't want to be here but he's here he tells virgil that he better swear him in um so wyatt's wearing the star he goes home. He gets his Wyatt Earp lawman uh, Colt out of you know bringing the the weapon out of retirement, and returns back to the marshal's office. Well, isn't the inciting incident Ike going to the Oriental and being a douchebag, and <laughs> Sam Elliott cold cocking him and taking? Uh, y- yes, but that ends with. Ike being released to two of the other cowboys without bloodshed. There's, There's tension, tension there. Yeah, they know it's coming. There's they tension. Know what's coming. Yeah. Um, and now this, I think history says, it generally agrees that there's these two groups in town and decide that they're going to kill each other. So the Earps make the decision. Now, Wyatt is the voice of reason at this point. His take is, yep. so Virgil wants to go in and arrest them. They're armed and they're in tombstone. Why it's like, look, that's a misdemeanor. They're drunk and they're angry. Wait till they start to sober up. They get some headaches so, from their hangovers, and you know th- we can resolve this peacefully. But Virgil is intent. Yeah. Right? Like he's drawn a line in the sand. I'm not going to allow this to happen in my town. So at this point, it's like, okay, well, this is happening. Doc shows up. He gets out of his sick bed, gets the shotgun. And the three Earp brothers and Doc Holliday walk down the street. Before they get to the OK Corral, they are met by the weasel, Behan, the sheriff. You don't have to worry about a thing. I just went over there and disarmed. You did? Go on, go with it. Gentlemen, 
I'm not going to allow any trouble. I don't want to dominate this conversation. What's your take on it? Beautifully shot. Great moments. Like when the one guy's hiding behind the horse, uh, Doc shoots in the air to star the horse, then shoots him, but then shoots a third shot. It's a double barrel shotgun. Didn't he? Didn't he? Not a triple barrel. It's boom in the air. Oh, boom, yeah, boom. You're right. You're right. You're right. It is three shots continuous, and I'm and I'm like three shots, really? Come on, I'm gonna step back into the action then. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So here's what I love about the scene. So oh, there's tons that I love. Yeah, but I just oh yeah yeah oh well did you want to talk, did you want to comment on anything up to before they get to the OK Corral? Uh, I love the little moment with the kid who comes up bang bang and they're like no and he's like go home and <laughs> go home and, <laughs> and Bill Paxton turning around his face like I, I believe I pissed myself a little just then. <laughs> A little pee came out. A little, a little pee, pee coming pee. out of me right now. It's kind of a trope in Westerns. Um, Ike is sticking his head in the barrel of water and just being like, I can't imagine that feels as good as it looks like it does. Like movie was it where we talked about the trope of splashing water in the your sink, face? Yeah. Right? Like like in the in modern day it's the sink. Mm-hmm. In the Western it's, it's just the dumped water your head in there. Right? I'm like, is that the yeah. water their horses drink out of? Gross. It's awesome. It's basically as soon as the the lawmen come around the corner. Oh, Ike, Ike's face Everything is freezes. so great. Ike's face is like, I was not expecting this. Okay. <laughs> I am far too hungover. <laughs> Doesn't he do like the wet hair flip uh-huh. up out of the barrel? Like that's the moment. And you get, and he gets the big face. Right? He's like, like, fuck, oh. they're all here. <laughs> they're all here. And it, there's a cool standoff for a second. Who fires first? So let's talk about, again, great Western needs tension, mm-hmm. right? How about... So as Virgil tells for them to throw down their arms, the cowboys put their hands on their guns, and all of a sudden, everybody immediately goes like DEFCON 5. Yeah. Right? Fuck yeah. You can feel the tension in the scene. I I, I don't know. You've got to act that. But the editor as well, right? Like, I feel like that's a... That's a hidden art form. It's edited beautifully in the quick cuts, but you're never confused as to the action that's happening. Corbett gets away. You've got the wide, the shots that show us the scene, but then you've got close-ups of people's eyes and faces and reacting. Yeah, it's very, um, um, who did, who's the Italian Western guy? Uh, Sylvia. Uh, in, uh, Maricone, um, Maricone, Maricone, and, um, hang on. Uh, the no, no, keep any, stumbling any through o, it. <laughs> any o, it, it's um, the oh Sergio Leone. Who the fuck am Sergio, I thinking of? I don't know, but it's very much that. You know, I was just waiting for the Ennio Morricone was the composer. He composed the yeah. He that did theme. that. That's yeah. right, Sergio Leone. Sorry, <laughs> I very much enjoyed because it is historically accurate, according to everybody. When Thomas State in church is like, I got you now, you son of a bitch. And, he, and Doc Holliday's response, You're Daisy if you do. Boom! Takes him right out. Apparently is exactly what happened. No kidding. Yeah. So here's how I reacted to that scene. Now, to be clear, I worked in law enforcement in the military. I never drew my weapon on a person. I drew my weapon a couple times, but never on a person. Right? Mm-hmm. But the tension and... the way everyone kind of tenses there. And it's literally this moment where you have now reached the point where the slightest, the slightest move in the wrong way, when everyone is on a hair trigger, somebody's going to fire. And what happens is doc 
uh, winks or does a kissy face at Billy winks. Clanton. Winks. Which apparently is also, uh, oh no, that was Val Kilmer's idea. Really? It's fucking perfect because it's just enough to rattle Billy. It's like a false start in football, right? Uh-huh. Like if the defense goes off sides, but it was a movement of the offense, like the, 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 who's that? The, the center oh, who snaps the ball. I think it's ball. adorable that you're asking yeah. me, <laughs> but it's one of these things. Like if, if the person holding the ball, the center, if the center moves, that's the false start. So even if the defense comes over the line, it gets, it, you know, it gets counted against the offense because it's yeah. one of these things. Like if you're, if you make that twitch and everything happens, you're responsible. And yep. with that twitch, you, we hear why it go. Uh, oh my God. So what he yeah. says, yeah. and there's no bravado. There's no machismo. It's, Oh, this is about to be a bloodbath, and it is. It it is a it, it almost is a, a moment of weakness for Wyatt, like mm-hmm. because he says earlier to the group, "Hey, I've killed a man." Yeah, it's not awesome to Morgan. Yep, to Morgan. You don't want to know what that feels like. You don't want to know. And at the end of the scene, Morgan is like, "You're fucking right. I didn't want to feel this." I, I and and pretty much Wyatt is like, "Well, we've done it. Man up." <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You that, that's what you wanted. You got it. That's right. Yeah, he he's very loving brother to him leading up to it, but then he's like, I told you not to do it, so now I'm gonna give you tough love. Fuck you, you killed a guy. So the gunfight happens. There were six cowboys. Ike starts out the fight unarmed. He has no weapon, and he makes a point of he actually, I think, advances on Wyatt and clutches at him like I'm I'm unarmed I'm unarmed uh-huh. Wyatt throws him out of the way Ike goes into the store or it's a photo- like a photographer's office he jumps yeah. through the window yeah and grabs the sheriff's grabs gun grabs the sheriff's gun um so it's five cowboys against the four lawmen they kill all of the cowboys there Ike fires from inside the photographer's um store they return fire. Mm-hmm. Ike escapes out the back. In the gunfight, Virgil has taken a shot, I think, to his leg or foot. Uh, Virgil to his leg and... Um, Morgan to uh, his shoulder. Mor- Morgan yeah. to his shoulder, but yeah. the Earps and Doc have won. Now... John Corbett's character gets away, yes? Oh, did he get away? I thought, he I thought... Yeah, he ran no, out the back. Ike, the only Ike people that I... So does oh, the so back of the Ike runs out the back oh, of the store. Like he the runs corral. out the back. Okay, got it. Gate. He he leaves pretty quickly. He is like, oh, there's got no it, way we're got winning. Got it. Got it. Okay. And of course, all right. Hey, don't worry. The sheriff's here. All of you are under arrest. And then he turns <laughs> to the crowd, like, you saw it. I arrested them. <laughs> and I love why it's. I don't think I'll let you arrest us today, B. <laughs> um. Like I, you do realize you have no power in this town anymore, right? <laughs> so it's then it's the funeral procession for the three cowboys. We get drunk Ringo, who is oh man, if you thought Ringo was bad sober, don't get around him when he's drunk. No, drunk and angry. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Fuck me. As Wyatt walks away from Ringo's, like you're drunk now. Wyatt brave turns his back on Ringo and walks away. Uh-huh. But Doc steps off the porch where he was watching it, and this is the... Don't any of you have the guts to play for blood? I'm your huckleberry. Uh, what I love that set up is, before you see it, you see Doc draw his gun, 
switch it to the other hand, put it behind, and then you see it when he's walking. It's such a great little background acting to to set it all up. Like, yeah, if you're paying attention, the tension has just risen in this scene for you because you're like, oh, Doc, just put it. Oh, no. Doc's going to, oh, boy. It's not going <laughs> to end well for anybody. It's a beautiful, again, the tension, but stopped once again by Curly Bill and others who grab Ringo before he can make a move and have another shootout. I love Curly Bill. The end of the Don't mind him. He just drunk. That's all. Sorry for my drunk asshole friend. <laughs> that's right. Um, but I also I also enjoy with this is like again like I was saying it feels like Doc wants to die in a gunfight. Yeah. Ironically, no. Like White has very clearly diffused the situation, and he's like, "Well, I'll, oh, if you want a gunfight, I'll I'll fight you. Come on." Tom Cruise and Ken Watanabe in The Last Samurai. Never seen it. Oh my! So listen. You know I hate Tom Cruise because of his connection to Scientology. That sure. That is the last movie that I appreciate of his. And probably mm. prior to that, the last one was probably the first Mission Impossible movie. But that's a br- wonderful movie. Um, and, mm. and again, back to this kind of like samurai code. And I think, again, very consistent through many Western films, the, the, the gunfighter as samurai. The, yeah. Ken Watanabe... You know this epitome of this of samurai culture. All he wishes for is a good death. God forbid right. he should die in bed. And I very much see I that. Very much in see Doc, that, in right? Doc yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's yeah. So uh, Michael Rooker finally does something in the movie. Fucking awesome! I heard about what they did to your women. That was wrong. I'm here to let you know that it wasn't me. I had no part of it. Yeah, so we've jumped ahead. So basically the Cowboys take their revenge by shooting Virgil Morgan, breaking into the the Earp's home and firing two shotgun blasts. That's all happened. That's a bridge too far. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, I mean, again, it's... It's again what we were talking about in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hollywood, this is how you do... I didn't sign up for this without having your character say, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> Very much what Michael Rooker does is the this isn't this is not what I came to be a cowboy for. Shooting at women and doing what they're doing, not my not my cup of tea. Yeah. 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 Uh Virgil gets shot in the arm. What a great scene. Virgil. What'd you forget? And then all of a sudden you see the blood on the arm. You're like, oh, Sadly, not that's the not first good. time that Sam Elliott will stagger into a bar dying. <laughs> Oh, Roadhouse. I know. It's such yeah, a good movie. Yeah. No. <laughs> it totally is. No. Yeah, yeah so it's Fuck bad. You. Unlike Virgil's earlier wound to his foot and and Morgan's wound to the shoulder, uh, Virgil's going to lose the use of his of his arm, his left arm. Yeah. Um, Morgan is murdered. Woof. That's a rough scene. Yeah. I mean, the one-two punch to Wyatt of his brother's lost the use of his arm doesn't want him there. I told you, Verge. Not now, Wyatt. All right. All right, what do you want me to do? Just leave me alone for God's sake. To, okay, he's been shot. It's not bad, but we can't get it out. So the, the it's going to kill him because he's, you know, and... Him dying and the look he gives his wife, with his hands all bloody, like, "Hey, I this is this is again not what I signed up for. Yeah, yeah. I came here to be a silver miner, and then my brothers wrote me into doing this, and I never thought any of us were going to die. It's so good. This section of the movie is fucking top notch. 
So this is another trope, not specific to Westerns, but a trope that I love, which is the retired badass or, you know, the lethal assassin who's tried to give it up is pulled back into the life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't get John Wick. (laughs) You don't get taken. um, The rundown. (laughs) The rundown. You son of a bitch. But Um, but Unforgiven. But I'm not wrong. He has given up the life. Yeah. That sure, sure. Unforgiven, which was another contender for best of this genre. It sure was. The Equalizer. Yeah. Yeah. Logan. I mean, yeah. I mean, Harry Brown. Like this is a this is a the one could argue is compa- Logan is a Western. Oh, Logan is one hundred percent a Western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um yeah. they're all gonna leave town. They've got Morgan uh, in a pine box. Yep. And they go <laughs> I can never remember. Is that the is that the coffin or the casket? The coffin is the one that it has the angles, right? The casket is the straight one. Oh, I I thought it was the opposite, so who the fuck knows? This is the only time that Curly Bill feels malicious towards the Earps. Like, I feel like he knows how powerful the Earps are until this moment where he's like, I want you to know it's over. And he's just responsive. Well, bye. So vicious. But then Johnny, of course, can't. Uh-huh. Can't resist throwing in another dig. You smell that, Bill? It smells like someone died. To which even Curly's like, <laughs> Jesus, Johnny. But he's still laughing at it. He's like, oh, 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 oh. Mm-hmm. And of course, as soon as the Earps leave, Curly turns to Ike. Take still, Will. Finish it. Yep, and uh-oh, you think bad things are going to happen to Virgil and the... And they're like, where's wife? Right behind you, Stillwell. That's right. So as Ike and Stillwell were getting ready to... Uh, kill the Earps on the train. Why it's not on the train? He's not leaving. Kills still in bed. Has Ike down on the ground. Uh, I think he did. He shoot. He wounded him. Right? No. He, he just lets, he just lets him go. No, no. But I mean, like Ike is on the ground. Is that because he got shot, but not lethal? Um, or did he like? I can't remember. Punch, punch him or something. So Ike's on the ground. And what a, you know, the worm coward that he is, as he's groveling, Wyatt uses the toe of his boot to kind of lift Ike's head up, and then he gives a little heel kick and uses his spur to slice him on the face. It's just, Just. it's wonderful. He does the old, the Kaiser Soze, right, of like letting one guy go to tell the rest. Sure. He tells Ike, you know, he lets him go, says, and of course, this is the beer we're drinking, Hell on Wheels. The the fucking epic line that Kurt Russell delivers like a fucking badass. So run, Kurt! Uh, run! Tell all the other curs the line's coming! You tell them I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Yes! Oh, God, it's so good. Is Frank McLaurie still hanging around at this point in the movie? Because we skipped him. He's a... Who? He, uh, Frank McLaurie, John, uh, Robert John Burke, who was in the uh, movie Thinner. Th- uh, I don't know. And was also RoboCop in RoboCop 3. Yes. Uh, I don't think his, oh, his, is he one of the cowboys? Is he he's one, one of the cowboys? cowboys. Got, <laughs> I was about to say, he's the one with the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, I think he is. I feel like he's one of the cowboys that dies during, so what a great decision as well. At this point, basically now you've unleashed John Wick. And yeah. and he says, so he shows his martial badge. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill any man wearing a red sash on site. And true to his word, he does. What a great choice to use 
it's kind of like the montage in Braveheart mm-hmm. after William Wallace is betrayed by the Highlanders. Oh yeah, right? and and you see him taking his revenge. It's pretty much the same thing. And we move very quickly through Wyatt and the posse hunting down the cowboys and killing them on sight. And it's just fucking badass. Two things: the John Robert Burke was also on Rescue Me. If you ever watched that, he was. Oh, I got it. Robert. Uh, Robert John Burke. Oh, Robert John, not John Robert, sorry. He was on Rescue Me. Yeah. He was uh, the priest. He was Father Mickey. He was, I think, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely a that guy actor. He's a good actor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's very good. He's very good. But he kind of fits that space like you wouldn't necessarily know him. Did you ever see Thinner? Is that the one with Paul Sorvino? No, it's with Robert John No, I thought, Burke, no, he's in. Where he's a fat oh, guy. Oh, he's the fat and guy? He hits. Oh, I thought, I thought that was like Paul yes. Sorvino. Now, Beast Attorney is cursed by a gypsy to rapidly un, uh, rapidly and uncontrollably lose weight. What's not mentioned here is the reason that he hits the cursed gypsy is because he's getting a blowjob from his wife. <laughs> it's a really fucked up movie. I uh, believe it's Stephen King. Yeah, it's Stephen King. <laughs> gypsy. So, you know, jo- you may not be surprised by this. You know what movie Joseph loves? And he's loving the cringiness of it. Oh, no. With the gypsy tears, protect me, Borat 1 and 2. Oh. So we watched we watch Borat 1 a couple weeks ago, and we're laughing. And Joe's like, it's, it, it's that cringy bad, and it's good. I've never seen either Borat oh, movie. I mean... But again, because of how cringy they are, you're not a big fan of cringe. It's my least favorite parts of when the office goes to cringe mm. humor, but for dinner party, because that's just who for, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf as a comedy. When it pulls out, when he pulls the TV out from the wall, a lot of people in the room, you need more space. Voila, right into the wall. Wow. The killing spree. Yes. The one thing I want to point yeah. out that was very cool. And I'm, when was the crow? Had the, has a crow been made yet? Wasn't the crow like ninety five? Uh, no, it's earlier than that. It's these are probably right on the same time. The uh, ninety four. Okay, so, so literally ninety three, crow ninety four. Oh, then no, it's not because of that. But one of the times, one of the people is killed. You know, they're shooting people on horses. Fucking amazing horse stunt work done in this sequence. So good, yeah. and also bravo for them not taking the horses down. Anyone who dies, the horse just. Runs off into the yeah. sunset like, bye, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm off to sow my wild oats. That's right. That's right. But the one guy, it, I think it's Doc. He's like he's like a couple feet, uh, like a foot in front of the other guy. And he turns around with a shotgun and shoots him. And all that comes out is just smoke. It's just because we can't do anything else. Because that's right. that's you guys right. are so close. You're on horses. Let's just. Smoke out. Smoke, that's right. We come back from the montage into, like, actual action, where basically they've tracked down the cowboys to the creek where the Texas Rangers have attacked the... (laughs) Right? Like, it's the exact same creek, right? But why? Stop bringing up (laughs) Texas Rangers. Because I want to point out how much better this movie is than that shitty movie. (sighs) Uh, It's a great scene. It's not as good in my opinion, as the OK Corral. But the the posse has been lured into an ambush. The cowboys open fire, and they're like digging foxholes with their shoulder blades, trying to find any bit of, of cover they can get. When Wyatt realizes where they're at. Listen, I don't know what was on the page, right? Like, what was on the script? 
again, in the hands... I believe on the script was, Kurt Russell is a fucking badass at saying no. In the hands of a lesser actor, I don't know how that works. The only one that feels a little goofy, and it's not Kurt Russell's fault, is the the slow motion one. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, It's just a little much. I'm like, hmm. (laughs) That could have been in full motion. I've been fine with it. He basically does the stands up despite the rain of gunfire, and advances on them and curly bill like a fucking idiot instead of just being like yeah phil swiss cheese that guy he's like no i got him yeah. I'm like eh, well you don't <laughs> that's right steps into the creek squares off and r.i.p curly bill that's right and that's right. every other cowboy there suddenly that's enough to turn the tide yeah, yeah. It's crazy that that's the thing. Uh, at some point, somebody says it's not revenge, it's a reckoning. I believe it's the next part when they're... They're basically like ten, like restock, they're yep. lo- reloading and everything. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, like... Yeah. I really uh, like that line. It's not revenge he's after. It's a reckoning. Texas Jack and Turkey Creek are, yeah. <laughs> Great Which, names, uh, historical Turkey, figures. And Turkey Creek is a is a Western actor. Yeah, he's Buck Taylor. Yeah. So, Joseph. Oh, you know. Oh, go ahead. Oh, so I'm surprised you missed this, given how much you love this. So, there's a, he's a minor character, but he does show up, and he's the one that alerts the Earps that the Cowboys are holed up behind the OK Corral. The mayor. Oh, it's John Locke. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Terry O'Quinn. Yeah. Terry O'Quinn. In fact, my boss is watching uh, Lost right now, and I'm like, I gushed over Terry O'Quinn. Like Terry O'Quinn had this career where he was just in stuff, really fucking good, and then he did Lost, and we're like, holy shit, Terry O'Quinn. That night, last night, I come home, watch this, and like, it's fucking Terry O'Quinn. Terry (laughs) O'Quinn. That's right. That's right. That's the thing that he does. He's really good in these small parts. Now, the victory at the creek is not decisive yet because mm-hmm. again this is the cowboys are an organized crime syndicate basically right the posse spots them out on the the prairie there's about 30 of them they've got uh stars because behan is riding with them and he has deputized ringo and the cowboys this is a bad turn right doc collapses and they make their way to henry hooker's ranch who is fucking charlton heston now, I saw, after you mentioned that Kevin Yare has started to direct this, the scenes with Charlton Heston were from the the first production wet that Kevin Yare had directed. Right. Fucking Charlton Heston. It's... He's fine. Yeah. He's like, that guy's got some promise. Yeah. He could, yeah. This is the part of Charlton Heston's career where he's just showing up in things and being like, remember? I used to do... Like, he's... What? Two years later is um, Planet of the Apes? Uh, where he plays uh the Tim Roth's father. Yeah, L- listen. I mean, it's played as a joke, but it you see it. Is it Wayne's World two? Can't we get a better actor? I know it's a small part, but I think we can do better than this. Gordon Street. Oh yes, Gordon Street. I once knew a girl who lived on Gordon Street, a long time ago. I was a young man. It took me a second to realize that Michael Rooker was killed. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not clear that his name is Ms. McMasters. And you never see his face when he's dead. I'm like, uh, did something happen and Michael Rooker had to leave the movie? And they're just like, oh, we'll just. Come. I think the only time we hear is, I think when he first, like, renounces the Cowboys, I think I think Wyatt calls him McMasters. Because I pause because, like, oh, God, they got McMasters. I pause and I'm like, 
Oh, fuck Yondu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he never gets his moment. That was a little bit sad. But not only have they killed him, they've they've mutilated him. This is Ringo calling him out. Ringo wanted to make sure he got your attention, Marshal. He wants a straight-up fight, just you and him. Settle this thing once and for all. Oak Grove at the mouth of Silver Springs Canyon. Seven o'clock. Doc, at this point, is in bed. He's in fucking rough shape. We get Doc sharing his insight into Ringo's soul. A man like Ringo... Got a great empty hole right to the middle of him. He can never kill enough or steal enough or inflict enough pain to ever fill it. What does he need? Revenge. For what? Being born. Oh, God. that He hates fucking life. He's like comic book Thanos almost. Yep. yep. Right? Hey, like, that's it. Yeah, that's a great line. Ringo's waiting there. A man in a trench coat and a and a hat walks in. He goes, "I didn't think you had it in you." And we don't hear Kurt Russell's voice. We hear, "I'm your Huckleberry." <laughs> and it's Doc Fucking Holiday. Now this is the part. So uh, to cover it, Holiday kills yeah. Ringo. The end. Uh, at, but. Did you find it weird, the, the fact that he shot him in the head the way he did, and then when Earp shows up, he's like, I'm afraid the strain was more than he could bear. Actual Johnny Ringo committed suicide. But isn't there some doubt about that? No. He... Oh, I thought... They heard the shot. They found his horse two miles away with his boot. The only way that that shot could have happened was self-inflicted suicide all the way. Okay. All right. Hated life that much. And again, you know, I, I have to say it. If you are having suicidal thoughts, please seek the help that you need. Unless you're Johnny Ringo, and then, yes, please kill yourself. And, okay. You know, one of us. One of us. Kill any other. No, all life is sacred. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Ringo. Okay. So, so yeah, they, oh boy, after that, that, it's just like, oh, well, we'll just kill all the cowboys now. And But who gets away? Who gets away? Fucking Ike, the instigator of this Ike. whole thing, yeah. gets he, away. I was I, like, bull he, fucking shit. He, you hunt that he, guy down and chop off all well, his appendages. He gets, he gets away because as they're chasing him, he pulls his red sash off and throws it. Like, I'm sorry. It's not like a football. Like yeah, This isn't touch yeah, football, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's the bizarre. And from here, the movie, I mean, the movie just kind of dribbles out. In the movie, Doc dies in a whoa, whoa, Glenwood whoa. Sanitarium whoa, whoa, in Colorado. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. Whoa, 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 whoa. How about Doc's fucking confession? I was in love once. My first cousin. What? Oh, I clearly was not even paying attention at that point. I'm sorry. What did you just say? <laughs> Your first listen. Whether or not that's actually true to Doc Holiday's story, make it his third cousin. Make it less fucking creepy. I'm like, I've been after. I've been rooting for a cousin fucker. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> so Doc Holiday's last line. I'll be damned. There's a lot of speculation of what it is. I like what they do here. I didn't catch it at first, but then I read up on it. You know why he says I'll be damned, according I'll to this da- movie. According to this movie, hmm, I'll be damned because he's dying in bed? That's what a lot of people think that's what it is. Like, I'm surprised. He looks at that- his feet. Okay. Early in the movie, why it says, you'll, you'll die with your boots oh, on. Oh, 
Oh, fuck. And he says he doesn't have his boots, boots on. on. Yeah. I'll be damned. And again, that is the callback to the samurai, right? That is the equivalent of dying in bed, which is the worst, you know, most ignoble death that yeah. a warrior can suffer. God forbid you die in bed. Dying with your boots on means you're dying fighting. You're, di- you know, you're on your feet. You're fighting the enemy. Oh. Uh, in the Klingon culture, it is not dying with honor. Oh, there you go. Exactly, right? Like this this concept. Yeah, it's not a warrior's death. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. You know, again, it happens in the movie. Wyatt finds Josephine. They embrace. We get Robert Mitchum's voice again telling us how he lives out his life. And to 1926. Yeah. But fuck. And again, you know, we know Wyatt Earp is such a larger-than-life character in our common understanding of of western mythology because he lived and told his story to John Ford. Yep. Like history is written by the winners, he's the winner. He wrote and that's yeah. that's his legend. And now, a lot of people have backed up parts sure. of his story. Oh, sure. I mean so. like it wasn't like he was a man who had nothing. But come on, he embellished some of it and whatever. I love that the last line of the movie is Wyatt Earp died in Los Angeles in 1929. Among the pallbearers at his funeral were early Western movie stars William S. Hart and Tom Mix. Tom Mix wept. And movie. I'm like, wait, what? Hang on. That's how the movie ends? Tom Mix cried? You know, it almost becomes... So Tom Mix, an actor, Yep. almost transcends this almost breaking the fourth wall where... This Western character in interacts and has an impact on a American Western actor, movie star, right? Right. Uh, it makes sense to me. It's bizarre, and yet it makes sense. Yeah. I guess it that's, makes sense. That's Tombstone. That's Tombstone. So we've got some questions here. We sure do. Hey, Todd. Yes, sir. Who was your favorite character? There is so much wonderful acting here. I'm going to be okay with anything you say. 100%. I, I'm going to say Kurt Russell. I, I love him and everything. This is one of his defining roles, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is great. I will definitely yeah. join you in that, but it's it's Doc Holliday. Sure. Because like you said at the beginning, who would I who would I want to play? I want to play fucking Doc Holliday. It's true detective. Woody Harrelson is delivering a masterclass performance, but fucking Matthew McConaughey steals it with rust. But everyone yeah, talks yeah, about yeah, McConaughey. Exactly. Yep. yep. Hey Casey, what is the best scene? I mean, do we even have to say I'm it? Three. It's a oh yeah, one, two, three. The gunfight at the okay, OK Corral. Correct. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So I mean, fucking good. That is a perfect scene. Again, everything: the editing, the tone, the the act, everything. The shift in violence. Like that's yeah. the first time we see that amount of blood. Like I made the joke that it was Sam Peckinpah, but that was incredibly violent. Suddenly, it didn't suddenly, it didn't build to it. And also, violence up to that point is either kind of Hollywoody or very romanticized. Or, or the Marshall's death is like, oh my god, it's a horrible accident, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, this is yeah. this is violence is ugly and terrible and should be feared. Yeah. So good, it, yeah, yeah, 100%. So, Casey, what is one scene that we would that you would cut? <sighs> So part of it already got cut, but them sitting underneath. Uh, oh, the picnic! Yeah, it's stupid. I mean, I, in in the original cut, that was them consummating their relationship. Oh no, thank you. I like that. Why it says true to his wife, faulted though she is, until the end. Yep. 
If they had, if they had slept yeah. together, then I'm like, nah, who gives a shit? You know, it, it's. <laughs> I don't know what the Josephine subplot adds to the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's not a romance. I mean, the movie's not, not a romance. until the last but... five minutes of the film. Yeah, and that's why that's, I would cut I'm, the earlier scene. And is that because this story is more about Wyatt's life, and it's you know his life was not just the gunfight at the OK Corral? I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that, and I think it's also that he is a married man, and they don't want to. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, the real life. No. I mean, from what we know, Wyatt Earp was not a you know. Lancelot, you know, knight in shining armor. Well, don't hang on, hang on. If you're using Lancelot, don't don't use Lancelot. Well, yeah, well, he at least repents his sins, right? Like he's he's repentant for his. uh, Yeah, Uh, it's still not a great dude. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, that's fair. But I mean, like, I think he was a morally ambiguous character. The historical. Wider, but you know, I think I don't oh, think I he's you're the, talking about when you said his circle. I thought you were talking about oh, Lancelot. Lancelot. Oh, like, no, 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 oh, Todd, I have terrible news yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, I, I hear you. For me, I think it's the ending is just odd. I'm not sure where what sure the is. thought was there. Uh, and you know, if you cut all of that, I, I don't, I wouldn't have been upset by it. I watched it till the end to make sure I watched it, but. There was nothing happening for me. Then. Pretty much the movie could have ended with Doc Holliday's uh, yeah, death 100%. also. Yeah, 100%. And then had Robert Mitchum be like, hmm, uh, Wyatt Earp did this. And it, it could have been the exact same voiceover that happens, and we wouldn't need that scene. Especially since I love that HMS Pinafore is being performed. And I was like, oh, Gilbert and Sullivan in, in Denver. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, did I did I ask you two in a row? Did I ask you what would the scene you would cut with? I sure did. So you ask. So you yeah. ask the last question. All right. Listen, this beer. There's a lot of this um, beer. No, there's not much left in my can. Uh, my, me neither. <laughs> yeah. This is another drunk episode. <laughs> um. Hey, Todd. Yeah. Who's the actor having the most fun? You magnificent bastard! You. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I could see so many. I Again. Could, I could see so many. Listen, Powers Booth just chewing up the scenery. Just like setting the seeds for the character he will play on Deadwood. 100%, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know that Val Kilmer is having fun. It's a phenomenal performance. I don't know that it's fun. Even Michael Bean, like, I, I got to assume he's in this dark place. Unless he's doing the Heath Ledger. And, like, the second they yell cut, he's, like, all smiles. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, is it? Is it, is it Kurt Russell? Like, I mean, he's just I, I, fucking. I, so I, mean, I came into this last night being like, oh, it's Stephen Lang. He's doing this great, fun performance. But then doing the research today and finding out he was just shit drunk the entire time. No, it's not him. Yeah. <sighs> it's Kurt Russell. It's got to be, yeah. right? Like, this is his This is That his mustachio, movie so son ways. of a bitch. That son of a bitch. All right. So, uh, so let's IMDb once score again, for this. Yeah, it was a 7.8. Flop them. It's an 8.7. Yeah. Yeah, that yep. perfect. Yep. This is this is a great movie. This is a movie worth watching. Yeah. Uh, Dad's breakdown now. The bean wouldn't last the first gunfight. Yeah. Now I would I would watch this with Joe and I would watch this with uh the goon if he was interested. I don't think he's interested in it. And I, I, think I don't think a western's going like, to hold her attention either. Yeah, yep. that that's the problem, right? The genre is 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 tough I think for you know, your kids. And I think John Millius's quotes about modern filmmaking worshipping 
you know, adolescence mm, yeah. really rings true. Mm-hmm. This what a rich, wonderful movie this is, but you've got to appreciate the Western to get yeah. there. You, you have know? to appreciate not just the Western, you have to appreciate the 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 history that comes with yeah. the Western, you know? It's yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So no picking um, because this is uh this no is a, hey, you know, you know when this episode comes out? The uh, day after my 40th birthday, which apparently dude. you know some stuff about that I'm not going to ask you about. I do? Uh, stop it. Shut the fuck up. Danny already told me you know, and then I'm not allowed to ask you anything. What do I What do? I know? Do I know something? Oh, Am I supposed you to be doing something? Be, oh, you're adorable. Am I supposed to be doing something? Fuck you. She told you about the colon cleansing, right? Oh, no, 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 yeah. We'll talk mm-hmm. later. Never mind. Yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. All right. yeah I, I, I've been throwing out ridiculous things to her. I'm like, oh, skydiving? <laughs> but yeah, this will come out uh, April 25th, so I will be... Excellent. 40 by the time this episode comes out. Wow. Dude. Well, you know, Crazy speaking dance. of speaking of an old man in the future, <laughs> you know, we've explored we've explored two different genres this season. We started with the horror genre, a genre that you love that yeah. I dabble in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just finished up the westerns, which is a genre I love. The westerns it, are riding off into the sunset as we speak. Shane, Shane, Shane! that's right. <laughs> And now we're going to end the season strong with a genre that both of us love. Oh, yes, now, we do. But I'm terrified for this next one. Yeah, yes. So <laughs> so I don't think – I think we're going to – we could probably, within 10 seconds, list a dozen sci-fi movies that we would put in, like, best of class. Oh, yeah. We're not going to have any trouble there. But let's just tease for our audience. And once again, after this episode drops – you know, shortly after that, we'll put up on our social media mm-hmm. an opportunity for people to weigh in. We need to find what is the worst of the sci-fi genre. I think a little peek behind the curtain. We may need to release it before this episode comes out because we're going to run out of podcasts to do. We got four episodes left to record this season. We got the and then the two Patreon and then we're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so that may be coming pretty quickly. So, yeah. So, we, hey, it may have already been a poll on Twitter. (laughs) Initial thoughts, uh, worst sci fi movie. Uh, Millennium comes to mind. That was, that was pretty fucking atrocious. I remember being like, Chris Christopherson, what's happening? The plane keeps coming. And that is a tough one. That's a tough, um, Controversial Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That was dog shit. Denny Villeneuve's worst movie so far. No, you know what could also be a contender, and I'm afraid someone's gonna dabble in it as any of the prequels. And I'm gonna say right now, Star Wars is not sci fi. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, and I, it yeah. is fantasy through hundred percent fucking yep. through. Yeah, that's not going in there. You know, there's some ones. Uh, there's some ones that. Here's the here's the challenge, and I wonder if you think of horror in the same way. That's the problem. A lot of sci-fi gets put like Alien is a perfect example. Is sci-fi, but it's sci-fi horror. Oh, well, that's true. But I was thinking along this specific to the challenge of how do we find the worst sci-fi? Sometimes, like bad sci-fi can be so much fun. Yeah, I think we're gonna we have fun have some with prob- whatever. Yeah, it is. what's the one? What's the one with the comet? Is Dennis Quaid? In it? No, where the comet passes and it tur- it's like a zombie movie, but it's it's like a uh, oh, 
Mm. Uh, no, okay. Uh, yep, I'm not going to I'm not going to try going um I mean, we've got <sighs> Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, is definitely on that list. Forbidden Planet. I mean, there's a lot of 50s hokey shit that can be contenders, but we're going to leave it up to our audience. Yeah, yeah. We're oh, going to we're going to Night of the Co- Night of the Comet. That's the one I was thinking of. Oh my god. What's the one where the comet comes at night and it turns everybody into zombies? What is that? Yeah, movie if only called? I can think of that. I was like, well, it can't be Night of the Comet. Yeah. I mean like <laughs> that but again, to be fair, that's a that's a zombie horror. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. We're going to have a hard also, time with this one. So we're going to have an embarrassment of riches. To your point. Oh, here's one that here's one that's going to have to probably oh, no. go in contention. So to your point, many sites, this is a common list you can find from businessinsider.com. <sighs> Number one worst sci-fi of all time. Now you might question whether they're sci-fi, but baby geniuses. With Kath, uh, with what's her name? Uh, Revenge, no. uh, Romancing the Stone. Uh, Kathleen, Kathleen Turner. Turner. No, it's not. No. Okay. How about Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? Oh, horror, but my. And also, how fucking oh. dare you? Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is wonderful. So here's a movie. I'll say it right now. This is going on the list for voting Battlefield Earth. Oh! <laughs> Podcast ended. <laughs> no. But listen, that. That has to go on there. It has to go on there. I've 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 purposely never seen it. Oh, I've seen it. Okay, so Battlefield Earth might be our movie. I got I, you Fuck need to, you, you need to brace yourself for it. It, mm, yeah. Oh, I've seen it and I regret it. So if I've seen it, okay, I've seen like ten minutes of it and I was like, oh, I get it. Uh, poor Forrest Whitaker's in this movie, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, he is. Yes, he's the other. He's the second in command. Yeah. 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 Oh. Well, I mean, we do love shitting on Scientology, so. I, mm, yeah, I, I like I like that. That's a very strong. It's, oh. it's the most fun religion to shit on. <laughs> wing Commander, space will never be the same. I'm just looking. Oh, Wing Commander. God <gasps> damn it. Geostorm! Geostorm! Uh, I feel like we can't do that one just because of uh, how did this get made. Like, we can't poach directly. Oh, Congo, that's a good one. Congo? No. That's not a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Why, because the gorilla can speak? I guess. <laughs> oh, this one showed up. This is, Now, to be fair, this is number 31 in their list. The worst sci-fi movies of all time. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. <laughs> We can't do that because that is. I know. Yeah. I know. Oh, number thirty-three uh, was Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> uh, we've, we've, okay. All right. So I'm not going to keep going through this. But the, but listen, I got. You need to brace yourself. I. Oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be. It's gonna I think be, it's going to be Battlefield Earth. I think as I saw, it, I was like, oh my god, yes, that's clearly it. Okay, so that's definitely going to be one, and we'll find the other three, and uh, you know that'll be for uh, Twitter and for next time yeah. here in Patreon. Uh, thank you, um, Special Forces here in the TSPHC Army for contributing to the Patreon. One hundred percent. We do have to say Night Shift Radio has their own Patreon, and we're going to start contributing to that pretty soon. Um, we'll let you know in the main feed what we're going to do. Yeah, but. We need to support them. So if you got the extra money, we totally understand 2020 was a fucking shit show. If you don't have the money, we totally understand it. You can maybe 
just kind of tweet out that it's happening, sure, sure. that we're going to be doing stuff there. We appreciate that. Uh, it, but if you've got the money to give to Night Shift Radio, it's not just going to be our content. It's going to be all the content across the board, including the wonderful Second Edition one. Yeah, and Night Shift Radio, so much exciting stuff. So very, you know, now we're just really a couple uh, or a few months away, but show 17 for humans. So excited. I cannot wait. That's going to be amazing. So if you're not, to, if you're listening to us and not tuned into them, you got to go check out the rest of the of the mm-hmm. network because there's a lot of really cool stuff happening. I was going to make a a joke about something they're doing on Second Edition One, but then I realized you're not listening. <laughs> that so it doesn't make any sense to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So Todd, that was a really solid western. I yeah. really enjoyed this movie. If you like that one, there's lots of other good westerns to watch. It's a, it's a genre that doesn't get enough love, in my opinion. I like every we- almost every western that I've seen. Nice. Uh, it's just not something I gravitate towards. Like I've never seen Three Ten to Yuma, but I love um, James, guy who directed Logan. James, yep, and the wrestler, uh, yep, Mangold. We've had. We've had too much beer. James Mangold, yes. Yeah, yeah. And The Wolverine, the next uh, X-Men movie right. that we're going to draw. Is, That's right. It's his movie. Um, so, yeah, next time we'll be doing worse sci-fi. <laughs> Brace yourselves. <laughs> we're probably not going to be very kind to it because it's a genre that we love. Yep. And uh, should we do social medias? Nah, they know us. If you're on Patreon, Patreon, you know where to find us. Yeah, Yeah. okay. So uh, that'll do it for the Super Bot Hero Cast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. Be heroic. (laughs) Be heroic. (laughs) Suddenly you like... (laughs) You're like a record player and someone turned you from 78 to 33. 100%. (laughs) Before we drink, because my my head needs to settle a little, if you're in the Canandaigua, Mastodon, 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 Geneva, or H-O-N-E-O-Y-E. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, yep, I don't know how you say it, Hanoye, Hanoye, let's go with Hanoye. Sure. Or, so let me just do those all over. Sure. I, I'm sure we're wrong, by the way. I'm oh, sure we're, we're 100% wrong. Yeah. wrong. I got two right. I know that. <laughs> What's the Rotten Tomato score for this? Uh, or wait. God fucking damn it. <laughs> Played Doc Hollywood. Doc, Doc Holiday. Holiday. <laughs> gonna paint your wagon. Gonna. Oh, wait. I don't no, know what not, that is. You don't know paint not, your wagon? Of course I do, but uh, I'm not acknowledging it. <laughs> I talk to the trees. Get out. All right. Have you ever seen? So, the, wait, before we start. Oh, uh, yeah. have you ever seen the Simpsons episode with that? No. Bart and <laughs> Bart and Homer are in charge of what the family's going to watch. They go to the rental store. Like, we got paint your wagon because Clint Eastwood's in it. It's probably paint your wagon with blood, and it stars. <laughs> it's like gonna paint your wagon. Like, what the hell is? <laughs> <laughs> and then Lee Marvin showed up like, oh, Lee Marvin's here. He's always mad. And then the guy does the best Lee Marvin, but he's like, I'll help you paint it. Gonna paint your wagon. Gonna paint it fine. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry.